Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is January the 19th of 2022, and you know what that means. It's a manga talking time. Yay! Yeah, it's a manga talking time with a lot yeah. of manga. A lot of it. Yeah, we... So, we didn't do a regular episode last week because there was no jump. But, oh, all those sneaky series that have... <laughs> Not in weekly show and jump schedules. They snuck up on us. And in some cases, we're going to be talking about two chapters this week. Yay! Yep. But in addition to that, we've got other stuff to talk about. Yes. So we ha- it's we going to be a packed episode. We finally can talk about Liar Game. Yeah. Uh, so wait, wait, what, that's a lie. Uh, oh, uh, so you got them just like in uh, the game. Yeah, it's yeah, all give us lying. all your money. Oh, yeah. yeah. Put up your PayPal, Nick. You earned it. Everyone has to give you 10 gold coins, which are worth $10,000 of their money. You may think that you didn't agree to this, but you actually did. Uh When you clicked on (laughs) this link, you signed a contract that legally adheres you to the conditions of this game. I know it sounds like it couldn't be legally binding in any way, shape, or form. No way. It is. Don't make the rules. It just is. Liar Game is a manga by Shinobu Kaitani, who uh, we have featured on this podcast before. Years ago, we covered uh, their, I believe, prior series, uh, One Outs, which was the baseball manga uh, that, honestly, you can really clearly see the roots in uh, for this series now because of the obsession with money and people falling for really insane schemes that don't that should not work like there's too many parts in them that that could eat that it could easily fall apart or you know just like not go along with it you know there's nothing new ever so but uh this is a series that uh, ran for 10 years in weekly young jump and it's uh it's not a big famous series. It's 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 was well known enough. It was successful enough, but it's not something that I think a lot of people really think about when they think of uh, you know manga, popular manga in general. But it's also, despite that, a very influential series. It is since it it, it came out has inspired some other works. Um, the like one of the creators and writers of squid game indicated that they were partially inspired by it when creating that series. And of course everyone's crazy for that now, mm. or they were a couple months ago. I don't know. Trends yeah. change very quickly. Nick, the, zeit- so- <laughs> the zeitgeist has changed. You might be like, Oh, well they're all about the witcher now. Nick. No, that was a while ago. No. Well, what no, about no, no. the karate or uh Cobra Kai? Cobra. No, Nick again, that was like people are moved on. Ago. Now it's Peacemaker. Not really the show, just the intro. That's the hotness. Everyone's talking that about right true. now. And uh, and a few and as they should be, it's phenomenal. Mm. Gotta watch that series. I, I really Just like watch the intro. But... Don't even watch the show. Just watch <laughs> the intro. Uh, or, or you know, people being like, "Oh yeah, the book of Boba Fett's really popular." No, it's not. It's it's popular, but it's it's it's, it's not they, the thing. Dis- it's not the thing. Dis- <laughs> Disney missed the mark of capitalizing on Boba Fett stuff like. 30 years ago I, I yeah, there yeah. was there was a cultural zeitgeist boom of boba fett and it has just been waning for 20 to 25 years since then it's not happening yeah. now guys 
what really needs to happen is they need to instead of like releasing that show in any particular time they need to release it at a time in people's childhoods which is when they're seven or whatever and they yes. first discover boba fett that's when they need to watch <laughs> that's when people need to be exposed to a boba fett show <laughs> doesn't matter what it's in what's in it you know whatever liar games <laughs> yeah let's talk about liar game liar game is a lot like boba fett in that uh, money criminals is it criminals. Oh, yeah criminals yeah. there's a girl somewhere in the boba fett story i'm sure i don't know i've been damn watching. all right so we might be wrong on that one i believe that he had a sidekick when he showed up in the mandalorian of some degree there you so go. sasha banks she's a mandalorian that's true there you go i bet I she guess. likes liar game <laughs> Maybe? Yeah, why know. not? <laughs> like I was going to say, is that I really have no measuring stick to on the veracity of that statement by. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it feels like a harmless thing to put out into the universe. Yeah, I bet Sasha Bank likes, likes the Liar Game. Well, I, okay, so Liar Game is a, sh- a series that is about money and deception and debt and uh, making each other miserable or saving each other, uh, depending. Mm. Uh, This is a very weird series for me to be talking about because I feel like I have a lot of things to say about it, but also very little to say about, like, the people that are in it. Uh, Yeah, I could see that. There are definitely some distinct characters and some of the development that the main character now goes through is interesting, but there's not a lot of character to the characters in terms of like what drives them, uh, the feelings that they have and the ways that their relationships change and stuff like it happens, Mm -hmm. but it's really just kind of like the background as opposed to, the real big thing in the in the series is just the way the games that they have to go through are played and the ways that they trick each other. Like It's all about finding out how are they going to get, reverse this situation? How are they going to manipulate the people around them? How, what trick are they going to play? That seems to be the big thing. Chapter after chapter after chapter. Uh, because the premise of the series is that they're is this organization called the LD LG LGT office. Yeah. So the liars game tournament office. Uh, and so they hoodwink a bunch of people into, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of phrasing it. Uh, they send out these invitations to a bunch of people. And they're basically just like, hey, do you want to make money? And of course, if you like open up, if you open up the spam that they send out, then yes. they're like, all right, you're legally contractually obligated to take place in this game now. Um, and anytime that someone tries to like get out of it, they're like, aha, the massive network of people that we have working for us prevents you from doing so. <laughs> they're an insanely overpowered organization for a group that is just making people run through these games, really. Uh, and they challenge the participants to compete against each other first in one-on-one matchups. And then later on in like group battles, free for alls, team battles and stuff. 
And they're all games that are based around basically making your opponent lose their money. The money which the LGT office has given you. But, of course, they're not very generous. They're just saying, ah, but if you lose money, then you will owe it back to us. And if you can't pay it off, then we will do what we have to do in order to get our money back. We will find ways to collect. Uh, It is explicitly stated on multiple occasions that now is cute, so she'll probably be put into a sex trafficking ring in order to pay off her debt. It's a common threat early on in the series for some reason. Um, yeah. Whereas, it starts to fall off over yeah, time. But... I was going to say, eventually they give much more realistic answers because there are a lot of people you're just like, look, that's not going to be the option for everybody. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? It's not a lot of... Look, a lot of people just don't make a million dollars over the course of their life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I was... So... Uh, but apparently they just somehow have the authority to do this. Some people try and get out of the situations, but like now tries to go and speak to a lawyer. And then eventually it turns out, oh, the lawyer was also working for the LGT office. <laughs> and then said lawyer keeps showing up for some reason. <laughs> well, now he's family at this. I mean, come on. You got tricked by him once. Now he's family. Come on in. Hang out. Put up, kick up your feet. Grab a glass. So now is just, uh, she's just a normal person. She's this like, I think like recent college graduate or something like something. She's right in that early 20s age. And she's just a normal person who was brought to be very trusting. So, of course, this makes her an excellent mark at the start of the series. Uh, she believes that people should always be honest with each other. And of course, when you go into a den of lions who are all trying to rip each other off, then that's a very dangerous attitude to have. Hmm. Uh, so she tries to get out of the situation. Uh, and she's also put like in the first game up against an old teacher of hers who uh, has run into trouble because he got fired from his job for some misconduct. I can't remember the exact thing. Um, but he's ruthlessly trying to win the game and get money. So he just immediately tricks her out of all of her money uh, by just saying, Oh yeah, let's just like, you know, put stuff into a bank account so that, you know, nobody can lose it. And that way we'll just both get out of this with no losses. And then it turns out he tricked her into putting the money into an account that he owns the rights to. So he just has all of her money, which means that he's going to double up his money and she's going to have to owe, it's something like what a hundred thousand dollars or something like that i can't can't remember i think it's a hundred million or one million yen i want to say so that's which would be ten thousand dollars but maybe maybe it was ten maybe it was ten million yen i think that that sounds more like it because a hundred thousand dollars is you know that's a pretty sizable chunk of change like ten thousand dollars is definitely not nothing but a hundred thousand dollars is like earth ruiningly bad yeah so uh, anyway, so she acts on the advice of this lawyer guy, uh, despite the fact that I don't know. So he puts her he advises her with, well, if you want someone to help you in this game, you don't actually want a lawyer. You want a con artist. So as it so happens, he knows that there is this con artist who uh, is getting out of prison soon. So she goes to see him and basically just begs our other hero for this series Akiyama to help her and she's so dogged and straightforward and honest that 
he kind of just like can't help it. He so, tells her he's like, "Hey, wait right here. I'm just gonna go like get a change of clothes." And then he like looks out the window, and it's a day later, and she hasn't moved from the spot. And she's like, "What well, you said you were gonna come back?" And it's yeah. Like, oh fuck! You really are helpless. <laughs> like you really are fucking shocking sometimes, aren't you? Like like the dog from Futurama levels of like just waiting there for him to come yeah, back. Not complaining or anything like that. She's like you know drawing on the ground and stuff like that. But she's like, "Yeah, he said he was gonna come back." So. Have you eaten? No, you told me not to move. <laughs> so he agrees to help her. And as it turns out, when he gets more involved in this game, because he, of course, he helps her win the first round. And as he gets more into it, he realizes, oh, this organization is up to some really shady shit. And it turns out that the reason he was in prison was because he took down an organization that was into some really shady shit, uh, specifically one that basically tricked his mom. It was one of those Basically, she got wrapped up in a pyramid scheme and the debt, you know, ruined her life and she died sick and in debt. And so Akiyama fortunately had was able to get a really good education while this was going on. And so he turns all that against awful, exploitative corporate practices, basically. But he gets caught before the series. He went to jail. So he's like, all right, this LGT office is the exact kind of thing that I want to get, in, you know take down and I want to find out what's going on with them, why they're doing all of this. So uh, the two of them start going into the games together and they both kind of have the goal of thwarting the LGT office. Uh -huh. uh, Akiyama basically with a kind of vendetta, you know, a vengeance about it. And now because as she lays out relatively early on in the series the true enemy in each of these games should not be each of the other competitors it should be the lgt office that is putting everyone in this situation where a bunch of people's lives are going to be ruined while very small numbers of people make out like bandits mm -hmm. but the lgt office makes out even more than than any of the highest winners in the games so she's trying to save everyone by constantly going through the game and because with Akiyama's help, she's able to keep on progressing and winning. She wins the prizes and then saves people and gets them out of their debt, which means she has to keep on going into the next skate round because she's horribly in debt, yeah. even though she's winning. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 uh, it takes a little bit of the series before we actually get to that point, And it's a pretty good like tipping point. That's honestly, I think where now goes from being a kind of annoying character to being actually a pretty admirable one because at the start of the series now god lover is one of the most frustrating people in the world because she is so blindingly trusting and the Absolutely. people she's interacted with are so transparently shitty to her yeah the, the, the one that'll that'll hold a candle to me is uh fukunaga who mm -hmm. were introduced to in the first game and then later in a uh, recovery game, basically is already tricked now and completely fucked her in the recovery game. Like she's done for. So Fukunaga's like, hey, how about I, I feel bad that we tricked you? How about we play a game where I put I have this card that's that's double side has a back on both sides, and then this card, which is a joker, I'm gonna put them both in the bag, and if we draw the joker, then you win money. You know, so we'll, we'll put the card face down and then flip it up and find out what. And it's like, you know, the odds seem pretty good, right? And now it's just like, yeah, this does 
seem pretty good. Yeah, it's, like, it's a 50-50 chance. That sounds perfectly fair. They have to go through a whole explanation of like, well, because the card that's like the bad card for you is double-sided, no matter which way you pull it out, it's going to be a back on the front so you can flip it over and find out. Whereas if you flip the pull the Joker out face up, you will automatically put it back into the bag and it's not 50-50 anymore. It is weighed way more heavily against you. And now it's just like, that seems like a good idea. Like already financially ruined at the place yeah. she's in in the game. And so it's just like, sounds like a hunky-dory idea. You're just like, God damn it. Now, please, you have to be, I'm not saying you have to be nice to Fukunaga right now. I'm just saying you can't fucking get swindled by this. And she's just kind of like, but why would Fukunaga do that? Oh, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but I would say it's actually the game following that contraband where a lot of things oh, yeah. of the series start to come together. That's where now kind of comes up with her grand plan of like, hey, the liars game is actually a way for us to start saving people. Uh, we're introduced to the series main antagonist, Yokia who mm -hmm. at one time, I believe I really praised the uh, subtle evil tendencies of. <laughs> and then <laughs> upon rereading this series, it's like, there is a scene where my dude just slides Mime Kampf into his pocket and is like, you know, Hitler was pretty good, except he <laughs> failed. And I was like, you know, maybe not as subtle of a character as I originally remembered him as. Um, I mean, there's a there's also the bit where he just like because he goes into uh, he's introduced when he shows up in. So he shows up in like a recovery game. Oh, yeah, that's it. Like, he I believe a competitor. He, he shows up in the contraband game. Yes. But there's another game that we see early on that I think is via like a flashback um, where he took part in like a recovery game, I think. Yeah, he took part in the um, in the same game, the downsizing game, I think. Right, right. And so basically in this game that they're in, like your goal is to get everyone else to vote for you. And then also you can sell the votes for whatever and stuff like that. So this rich motherfucker just shows up and goes to every single person in the first round who are all like, I don't like this guy. And he's just like, here's a duffel bag full of money. <laughs> Give me their votes. And he just goes around. And, and then like the next round, they're like, I'm not going to vote for that guy. And he just goes through with four times more money in a duffel bag. Here, give me votes. <laughs> it, it is interesting because he does that in a way to then get all the money back because later on they realize, yeah. shit, I need the votes. And hit, they have to buy the votes back from him at a higher at a cost. Premium. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, we were introduced to him. And that's also where we start getting a little bit of more of um. I guess I don't want to say a challenge for Akayama, but things get a little bit more interesting. Like the dynamic starts to become more challenging. It's also where the games start to get a little unnecessarily complicated at points. Yes. <laughs> um, but it is still very good. And, and you start kind of getting the idea of like a slightly expanded cast. I don't want to say this, this series has a large mm. number of characters. It's Akayama. Now uh, Fukunaga is a relevant character throughout most of the series. And then mm -hmm. Yokia. Um, and then there's like, a handful of one-off characters who are kind of like notable and things like that but you do get to at least see these other characters whereas before in other games they were just backgrounds you didn't even know right them. like i've i saw a panel someone posted in our discord of akiyama talking to a waitress i was like there was a waitress character and i was like oh it was a fucking character from the minority rule game like of course i wasn't gonna remember anyone in that because oh, that had three important characters no yeah it's um like I say, it's it's not a very character heavy series. Um, 
but they get the job done. What I found interesting about this series is it presents ideas in very heavy detail that you don't see utilized much in manga, uh, such as like game theory. Like there's a lot of dis- there's a lot of game theory that goes on in this in this series in terms of like here is how you know you would act in this situ- you would expect most people to act in this situation. Therefore, because you're trying to beat everyone, you should do this. But if everyone is trying to beat everyone else and they're thinking of that, then they're going to do this. In which case, you need to do this. And you know how how far along that chain do you go in order to figure it out? Um, and then there is. Honestly, a really heavy, heavy um, social and political message in this series, uh, (laughs) which is the capitalism is bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, look, you you said earlier Squid Game was partially inspired by the series, and it's pretty clear why, because like, yes, you could. You could be like me when I first probably read this at 23 or whatever and did not pick up on like, oh, there's just an evil organization that's trying to grift people out of their money. Whereas the larger question is mostly about how systems and structures create reasons for people to work against each other while the rich are only getting richer. And actually, a lot of those problems could be solved if people were just earnest and helped each other and, and realized working together would actually defeat all of the systems that chain us. But, you know... When I was younger, I was just like, Akiyama's so smart. He's like light, except not evil. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I kept on thinking of this one thing um, from, okay, so I don't know if you ever watched, if you have ever even heard of this show that was like on Game Show Network called. Nick Arcade, yes. It was called Friend or Foe. And the premise of it was that you would have it was like a it was like a trivia game uh, where there were teams of two people. And then as each team was eliminated, then also with the winning team at the end of the episode, the two of them who had basically been given some details about each other's life and stuff to make them find the other trusting or not trustworthy and stuff. They would then have to decide how the money would potentially be doled out between them, which would be. They would go to this booth and they would select friend or foe. If both of them select friend, then the money is split evenly between them. If one of them selects friend and the other selects foe, the person who selected foe gets all the money. But if both of them select foe, neither of them get any money. It's the prisoner's dilemma. Exactly. If both of them are willing to cooperate, then they will make money. If neither of them are willing to cooperate, then neither of them gets any money. So logically they have to try to cooperate, but in terms of the way it works in game theory, you should be choosing foe. You should be choosing to be selfish because if the other person is selfish too, then that doesn't mean you've cost yourself any money. It means because if you select friend and your and your opponent selects foe you lose out if you select foe and your opponent selects foe you lose out so there's no loss to you doing that meanwhile you double your potential winnings if the other person selects friend so why wouldn't you do that if you're being selfish the key 
is to stop trying to be selfish because what you should be doing is trying to win the money from the big person in front of you who has the money, not the person next to you who you are supposedly competing with. And that is the big through line in this series once now reaches that breakthrough in like the third game or something like that is, and she tells everyone, I think this is the point of the liar game is that we need to stop trying to compete with each other. We need to be trying to work with each other and trying to save each other because the office benefits from more people losing out. Yes. If one of us wins big, then that person really wins big, but that also works for the office's benefit. So, she becomes this really like admirable character and also at that point starts getting smarter uh, in terms of, and I, and I'm not going to say like, Oh, she was a dumbass before she was just very naive and trusting. And she doesn't like suddenly become a master strategist or anything like that, but she kind of just like gets used to, I think being around these very devious people and getting used to thinking about things in a way that really helps her in terms of like, solving puzzles and predicting the kinds of things that someone would do if they're trying to be dishonest with her. Well, there's a line that Akiyama specifically tells her at one point, because mm. all she does is trust people. And Akiyama says to, to really get to know somebody is to doubt them. You know, believing somebody is fine, but oftentimes what that means is believing them with a refusal to kind of actually examine who they are and almost kind of view it like a little bit of apathy. Whereas doubting them you're not saying they're lying. You're you're reading into who they are. You're reading their sentiments. You're kind of actually discovering the truth of who they are at that point. And that's the line that kind of changes now. And she starts really re-examining how she is viewing people from that point onwards, which leads to her big sort of shifted, I wouldn't say personality, but she, she gets better at playing the game. And she also learns to get better at tricking people. Uh, at that point, because people kind of start to underestimate her because of her naivete and her trusting nature. So when she does actually, you know, basically she lowers people's guards because they're like, oh, well, this person is so trusting and stuff. Yeah, they're easy to fool and they'll never try and trick me. So, you know, she'll tell a white lie and it's really effective because, you know, and also because she's learned how people think better. She knows how to play off of that and actually steer them towards what she wants there is something that i was occurring to me while i was reading this which is the ethos of the story seems to be people will usually act selfishly in a lot of circumstances especially stressful circumstances so sometimes the thing you need to do in order to make sure that they do the right thing, both for themselves and everyone else is beat them or trick them or do something to kind of force them to follow what you know to be the right thing to do rather than trusting them to make the right decision for themselves. And I don't know how I feel about that stance, (laughs) but it seems to definitely be something that the series espouses, especially, you know, the way that Akiyama talks Uh, in that early point in the series that you were talking about. And the fact that a lot of the time, now and Akiyama just have to beat people in these games and and basically show them that there's no way out but to trust them and work with them. It is a very uh, monopolistic view of, like, societal working together because almost every single game is ended 
by Akiyama figuring out the, the play, basically. He finds the line and brings them to it, and they win because of him. And everyone is a clueless dope throughout most of it <laughs> until Akiyama kind of gives them the guide going forward. Every so often, you'll get a character who will do something right for like five seconds, and then they're revealed to be an idiot immediately afterwards. Yeah, there was a the big thing that happened in the contraband game. I forget what Kikuzawa, I think, what might have been his name, something like that. But where it looked like he had everything figured out, I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> That at least played into the whole notion of uh, Yokia as a controlling dictator. I'm even thinking mm -hmm. about in the musical chairs game where the extras form their own collective union to abstain from voting and Young Jump is the leader of the group. And then like two chapters later, the whole thing's fucking falling apart all around Young Jump. And it's just like there's just chaos of votes being done all over the place. You're like... Yeah, no one really figures out anything for themselves for very long. And even there's a point I feel like they even are like, Akiyama, I think, strategically guided the extras into creating their own organization. So these things are like, all right, I get it. If we didn't have Akiyama here, things would be very different, which is very amusing for what eventually you find out is kind of the whole point of everything. I don't know if we want to get quite into that quite yet. Um <laughs> Because I just, I, I guess I want to talk more so as to how I actually enjoy this series. Because I, I talked about this series a long time ago on this podcast. I don't know, like, mm. I don't know if I recapped it per se, or if I just occasionally I brought it up. I might have brought up chapters. Um, I remembered getting into the musical chairs match, and as I was reading, I was like, "Yep, right. I remember this." Uh, and then I was like, "I must not have finished it." And then I got to the end of the musical chairs match. I was like, "No, I definitely did read this." And then I got to the bid poker match, and I was like, "God, I fucking remember getting into this one." <laughs> Yeah, And I will say this, I think this is an enjoyable series. The The games are so fucking complicated. They are. They are, they're like, I, my favorite game, to be completely honest, was Musical Chairs. And it's the main reason for why is because when they have to explain the mechanics of what's going on, it doesn't take a full page graph of oh, yeah. fucking numbers pointing at other numbers in different angles to explain what's actually happening. They're just like, hey, Akiyama's group lost a chair. Now they're one more chair down. That's bad. And that's pretty much even though but even that game still had the medallions and that had to be tracked. You had to track who had which Pierce's medallions. You're like, fuck it. I can't. Just, and then gonna... you roll five dice to determine turn order. <laughs> then the person with the most chips goes in. It's one of those things where <laughs> be I sure to check the counter on. The... <laughs> I just reached a point where I was like, look, manga. I feel like you did a lot of work here and I'm impressed. I'm just going to assume everything you're saying is right because truth be told, these games do require a lot of like mechanical engineering to actually functionally make sense. Cause this is one of the few series where there, there can't really be a lot of holes in the rules because the series is intentionally designed to pit smart people against each other. And as we get to in the last match, the idea of there being a hole in the actual game design is like mon is like a travesty. It cannot happen. Uh, so like my I'm going to read off a quote because I, I keep on we're we're going to make our third reference back to uh, the uh, influence of our game on Squid Game, which is this quote. Uh, I came to wonder how I'd feel if I took part in the games myself. 
but I found the games too complex, and for my own work, focus is on using kids' games. Yeah, I, like it's one of these things where I'm like, I feel like I'd be smart, but then they start explaining the rules. I'd be like, I, I just, I'm, I'm dumb. I'm a dumb baby. Someone just take my money and get me out of here because I don't want to do this anymore. Um, the one like when I, but you'll I'm be talking, sold into a sex trafficking ring. Whatever, I don't care. Just get these numbers away from me. It doesn't even make sense anymore. My my favorite one is in the downsizing game because they're told ahead of time, hey. Just bring whatever belongings you want. And some people instinctively are like, maybe we'll have to sell things. So they bring food and supplies thinking that maybe they'll be stuck without anything. And then eventually are like, no, it's actually this thing about selling your votes. And Akiyama is not actually in that game. He is not a part of that round. He finds out that now is doing this thing, finds her and like breaks into the building. And then when someone's like, hey, what's he doing here? He's like, nah, I'm one of now's belongings. That surely isn't against the rules. And everyone's like, Sounds good. And I'm like, that is horseshit. <laughs> like, if that's the case, why can't my belongings be an entire fucking team of, like, mathematicians and game design? Like, I bring 30 people in here to be like, how the fuck do I win this? Or you bring a gun. And yeah. it's like, give me all of your, your votes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one I think they might have an issue with, but... Listen, if there's going to be a gun in this game, it's going to be one of our wacky 27 cartridge magnums. <laughs> That's Which, another by one. The way, by the way, so there is one of the one of the games that they take part in is when uh, we basically have our established core trio by this point of Akiyama, Now, and Fukunaga, whom I think we're going to need to spend a little bit of time talking about. By the way, on their own, mm. um, <laughs> because so uh, they each have to participate in one of these three games which are all gambling themed so the first one is you know russian roulette uh except that there is this massive gun uh that they put blank cartridges in and so you're basically trying to avoid the blank cartridges and you make bets based off of essentially based off of whether or not you think the next one's going to have a bullet in it then after that there is a 17 card poker, which is all the face cards plus a wild card joker. And that's the entire deck. Um, and I really I, I did really like some of that because I understood all of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then the last one they, they do is just this bullshit roulette table thing. <laughs> that I really didn't like. So I was like, oh, this three part saga ends on the worst game. <laughs> I, I will say the only reason I forget what they even call it. It's not the generals or Vanguard battle. Maybe I forget what it yeah, is. What, whatever, whatever the three stage battle was called. I actually sort of enjoy it because it, it comes off the heels of the contraband game where our main characters are kind of more steeled in their resolve than ever. And they just came against an opponent who was very, very intimidating. And now they're going up against three goobers, basically. These are three people who are not, you know, supremely intelligent. So the challenge is less, how can we outsmart them? And more so, how do we not fall into the trap that the Liars game is ultimately trying yeah. to do? And I thought that was a much more interesting way of doing a, a match. Because eventually you do reach a point where you're like, all right, I get it. Every, all according to Keikaku, Akiyama has this figured out. He figured it out from the moment they did the test game. Now does something stupid, and Akiyama's like, oh, that was the one tip we needed to put everything in my yeah, favor. You know, it's something just like, like that. All right, I get it. Um, but it was nice having one where we didn't have to do that. Instead, the drama became like, holy shit, they're about to win. But in winning, they're actually going to 
like potentially lose these people a lot of money, which they can't do based on their entire mantra of we're going to beat the liars game office and save everybody. They cannot let money disappear, essentially. Like, yeah, the best moment, I think, in the series is at the end of the contraband game. There was a brilliant turnabout. Oh, course, yeah, by yeah, Akiyama, yeah. Where Akiyama there's, there's like, like a there's like a triple turnabout yeah. in a row. <laughs> and Akiyama's like, we tricked you guys all along. In fact, we've won. We've technically lost this round, but we came away with all the money. So it worked out for us. You lose, Yokia. This whole game is actually about working together. And Akiyama's really satisfied. And Yokia starts laughing because he's like, your stupid philosophy's wrong. I got all the money on my side of the field. I'm going to leave the game now with all of this money. And all of these people are fucked. It's not a zero-sum game if I leave with all the money. And then now has to step in and basically played his ego to get Yokia to stay in the game so that his money doesn't leave circulation. And it's it's the best moment in the series for me. I was like, yeah, this is the coolest moment. This is now shiny moment. And it's the entire philosophy coming together. Yeah, because now and Yokoya had a conversation early on in the game where Yokoya basically asked her, like, what do you think the point of the game is? And now lays out like. This is what I think it is, because she had had her breakthrough in the previous game. And Yokio is like, no, it's not. It's about domination. It's about having power over people. And now basically says at the end of like, yeah, you're walking away with a bunch of money, but you didn't control anyone in order to do it. People on your side didn't obey you. They switched over to our side because they agreed with us and not you. You have not actually won the game by your own terms. And he's just like. Fuck you, go like, <laughs> I'm gonna dedicate my life to destroying you, just like Hitler would have done. <laughs> uh, I have two notes I want to mention them now before I completely forget. Uh, the first is because I imagine we're about to start talking about some of the characters and eventually mm-hmm. get to the big spoiler of the series. Um, the first I want to note is one thing I did find disappointing in the pace of the series is that games end and kind of just go from game to game to game. To oh, game. they really, really there's, do. There's no time in between, which is a shame because the main motivation actually for now, or I shouldn't say the main motivation, but one of her primary emotional driving factors is her father's in the hospital. He's, yeah. he's very sick and she doesn't want to trouble him. She doesn't want to worry him. And I think you see the dad twice throughout the rest of the series and one of the times is he, after he, he's had all the she's had all the character development he's like oh you've changed you know like yeah it'd be nice if you guys could have talked before this point like while she was changing and becoming a different person yeah it, it that was something that i realized too when he shows up just you know like as a in like a brief shot to establish like they're outside the games now now it's going out about her life oops she ran to the lawyer there's like he's in a panel and yeah. it's like Oh, right. Right, right. That was a thing that you established in chapter one and haven't mentioned since. <laughs> it would be it would be just be nice because you get so little actually to examine now and Akiyama and these characters through a lens that's not the liars game. Yeah, that'd be nice to see a little bit, especially her father. Like, why is now the way she like, why is she so trusting? Is it? straight up from her father is it something now like it feels like there's something you could at least explore but we don't really get anything like that um the second point i want to mention though that makes me laugh is uh the liars game tournament uh sometimes employs complete fucking idiots for the sake of explaining strategies too yeah 
It's one of my favorite things in the series because there's all these liar game office people. They all have these fancy masks, and and Lay- they're always going oh. <laughs> well, it depends which one it is. Because <laughs> some some of them will fi- some of them are smarter than others. Like whatever Leonidas or whatever the fuck his name I is. Don't, I don't. honestly I stopped paying attention to which ones were which. <laughs> he's he's supposed to be the smart one, I think. Uh, and then there's another one like Alsab or something like that, which I only remember because I was like, why is his name Balsa backwards? <laughs> and I was like, oh, because he's like that shitty wood because he's the dumb one. And my favorite <laughs> moment is he's run- He's part of this team that's running this massive fucking tournament that has to have so many fucking logistics going on. Too. Oh, yeah. And at one point, someone's like, ah, Harimoto just used cold reading. And fucking Alsab's like, cold reading? What's that? And I- <laughs> And fucking, <laughs> fucking whatever Leonidas has to look over and be like, I see a shadow of a shadow hanging over your mother or your parents. Like, oh, my mom says diabetes. How did you know? It's like you cannot be this stupid. You cannot be this. St- like, look, I completely understand. There are people who are are are, be, are able to be tricked by by cold read. It is a very emotionally manipulative thing. Absolutely. But if, but if you are in the office that works at manipulating people, you can't be somebody who's like cold reading. What's that? It's like the one person who works for, you know, who is part of the production team on the psychics show that like picks out the victims and investigates them and stuff and still thinks the psychic is legit. It's like, like, oh, man, it's crazy. I was able to determine all that. Anyway, uh, on Facebook, it says that she's really into into horse riding. It's like, I see a four legged creature. I ride horses. He's so amazing. <laughs> this guy's a genius. How does he come up with this stuff? <laughs> So there's two quick notes I want to get out there. Um, I don't really have a, a lot of notes on the characters that we haven't been over already. I guess I should say because we we talked about now quite a bit uh, uh-huh. because she is very much like she is also the perspective character for a lot of the series. Um, and I was definitely glad for the dynamic that exists between her and Akiyama, so you can have that kind of oh, there's the invincible protagonist who knows everything, who is smarter than everyone, who figures out everything, always seems invincible and stuff. But then you also have a just as important, if not arguably more so character, who is there and is not just the observer. She is a participant, and so she has to, in a way that makes sense, get through these games without just being saved by Akiyama at every single turn. Which was definitely what it seemed like it might be in danger of happening at the beginning because Akiyama just straight up saves her ass like the first three games in a row, basically. She will start crying and be like, Akiyama, please save me. Like it's it's straight Literally. up to that moment. Um, but thankfully, she has a character growth that it makes that a fine thing. You're like, OK, cool. I'm OK with this. <laughs> Yeah, and if she eventually ends up becoming a pretty damn good liar herself, there is a, a really good gambit that she plays that's very straightforward but very effective because of the type of person that she is and the people that she has surrounded herself with because she's endeared herself to the right people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not about being the smartest person. It's about knowing that you should be friends with the smartest person. So. Yeah. Uh, and, and she has a great through line as well where eventually the fact that she is this insanely trustworthy person how she has never fucked anyone over actually wins her team the game at one point because eventually when all of the chips are down it 
it's it's, it's a pun because they're playing uh, bet poker at the time. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> when all the chips are down and everyone's fucked, they're like, look, we've been fucked over by so many people. We know now won't fuck us over because... God damn it! She's proven herself. If, if if not watching her get bamboozled in three straight games isn't enough to prove you that this girl is got not got a malicious bone in her body, then nothing will. Yeah, and that's good. That's another thing that is nice about the series is understanding the way that trust and betrayal work on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's good at showing that. Um, I have so little to say about Akiyama. <laughs> He's, I, I remember thinking at one time that he was an absolute badass character. And nowadays I'm like, he's mildly enjoyable. He is, he is not a character I would say I dislike, but I do. I, I will not think of him very much after this. Uh, now as a character, I'll be like, Oh wow. What a great arc. What a great story to her. There's very little I found to like really hang on to with Akiyama. He's kind of just a very smart person who in the end you find out, even though he thinks logically, there is definitely a side of him that still thinks very emotionally. That's the only reason why he'd stick with now kind of as long as he mm-hmm. has. I, I will say actually, while we're talking about the two of them. So this series did not do what I expected it to do, or I wouldn't even say that. Uh, but so I caught on to something that as it turns out was just kind of leading into the actual conclusion of the story, but, um, I thought it was going to go in a different direction. So the lawyer that now meets with at the beginning points her in Akiyama's direction and says, you need a con artist on your side to help you in this game, not a lawyer. So she goes and does that. Then it turns out the lawyer was working for the LGT office. He was just manipulating her so that she would actually keep on taking part in the game. He he is directly responsible for her staying in the game when she could have just stayed out of it after paying off her and her opponent's debts. She could have just left things well enough alone. But he tricks her into going there. And thus, because she showed up at the game, she is legally obligated now to take part in it because that's how it works. Um... So I thought, okay, well, if this guy works for the LGT office and it was just a plan the entire time to trick now, does that mean it was also the LGT's plan for her to go and see Akiyama? Can Akiyama be trusted? Or is now actually the world's greatest liar and she just and she is the she's going to betray Akiyama. Is one of them going to is it going to be a betrayal? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a couple times. There's definitely a point I feel like it happens around the time of I guess it even starts during the the Vanguard battle and things like that, where you're like, this chapter was essentially sixteen straight pages of somebody somebody being Noni <laughs> and and then the next chapter you find it, I was like, Oh, nanny. Like it wasn't actually that big of a deal or whatever. Nanny. <laughs> um I guess do we want to talk about Fukunaga? So I have mixed thoughts about this character. <laughs> so Fukunaga, get, get off the bat, is is a trans woman. Uh, so they show up and uh, they are feminine in appearance. And this is crucial because... Best trip in, in the whole series, by the way. They have the best looks in the entire series. Oh, they, they are really... Honestly, everyone else is just kind of there. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> she, she stunts on every one of them. Uh, also, she beats up a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> so, uh, Fukunaga, you know, oh, it's it's she's a woman. Hey, and we this is important because now has been told uh, because uh, Akiyama has joined this game on behalf of a woman who was tricked out of all their money by a man. And so they're looking for allies within this game uh, that they can work with. And so they're like, OK, but, you know, we can't trust this man that 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 took all this money from this person. They're not trustworthy. So we can't go for any of the young men just in case it is one of them. But we can trust all the women and this old guy. But it turns out that Fukunaga was that man and she whips her wig off and is like, I'm a man and, and stuff. And that's how we're introduced to Fukunaga. And although gradually over the course of the series, it starts to go more and more, not for they're a cross dresser, but they're a trans woman and directly in certain materials makes the point of they're a woman. Yeah. And, and it honestly says something in a way that I do very much appreciate, which is, I am a woman in every single regard, except on my birth certificate. And it's like, that's good. That's that's nice. But. She also contradicts that for like one liners and jokes in some ways. And there is also this recurring thing with the idea that. This is a sign of her deceptive character. And. That's. Not good because that's the way that a lot of people stereotype transgender people or people who don't dress according to gendered norms. It, it is worth noting that her duplicitous nature is never uh, used in a sexual manner or anything like that. Uh, it's it's never used in a predatory way. She be greedy as shit. And oh yeah. It seems like it was a way for her to get a head over on some people who she wanted to. Um but yes, it is not a great introduction. Uh the there is no official translation for this series. No. Uh so I rely on what the scanlations have done. The scanlations originally uh label her as a transvestite, uh which is to not get into things too much, uh does not always equal transgender, but as you said, there's a QA with her as like a title page at one point where she basically says she identifies as a woman. Uh so that's what we tend to do, but she also notes early on she doesn't care about pronouns. So it's one of those things where it's not a I will say I actually like her a lot. She's probably outside of now the most interesting character in the series. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, it's, and honestly, the biggest shame I would say is that we actually don't get enough of her because she became so really engaging and she disappears about halfway through the series. She starts getting pushed into the side games where she's not with the main characters anymore and she just loses those and then becomes a background character and then gets sent to another game where she's not with the main characters and she loses there. And then she's not even present for the final game at all. Um and it's a shame because they actually explain what happened to her in that second side game. And as I read it, I was like, 
why the fuck didn't we get to read this? Because it's awesome. She outright says at the end that she tried to help everybody just like now and failed. And she's like, I just wish I could have been more like you. And you're like, that's fucking heart wrenching. Why didn't we see this? For how, you know, greedy and selfish she was at the beginning. She's, you know, the antagonist of the first game that she's in. Um, And arguably. Yeah, the two. Yeah, the second two. She's the biggest threat to now progressing because, and she tricks everyone. And it looks like she's going to be the big villain who lords over everybody. Um, And then I guess just because she keeps on sticking around these two people who are being so nice, despite the fact that they could be dominating everyone, it starts to rub off on her. And she's like, all right, I guess I'll stick with you guys. (laughs) Okay. I guess I'll help you out. It's just so I can make money though. And yeah, it's the most interesting character relationship in the entire series. Yeah. I, just have mixed thoughts about the way that she's presented primarily because of the way she's presented at first. So. I, I, I will say this. There are, there are, I, I could absolutely agree with you. It is not a great introduction to her, but I would say in terms, if I were to like make a top 10 list of trans women in manga, she might make it if only because she's pretty cool and she's not that problematic, which is yeah. like a weird uh, uh, caveat, but. And also, you know, to, to, Consider everything in perspective. The series began in 2005. Uh, so I hate, it. I hate it so much. We have to say that we're like, look, it was only 20 years ago that we still didn't view trans people as full human beings yet. We were we were still figuring it out. Honestly, in terms of a series that began at that point, it's pretty pretty progressive yeah, portrayal of trans character in manga. It, it honestly, unfortunately, is. Um, but. Anyways, uh, I feel like we're, we're running low on time. So we have been we, talking about the series. We well, need so. to get to the actual end of the series because this is the thing that I think really yeah. hinges upon everything. So I had not read the end of the series prior to this. In fact, I didn't I hadn't touched the last game at all. I don't know where I stopped reading the series. It must have been somewhere in bid poker. Uh, we didn't even get the fact to talk about that one of the deuterary antagonists is a fucking cult leader who gets redeemed. We don't even have time for it right now, guys. But the last game happens and not to get into it, but they eventually reveal what the whole Liars game plot is. Yeah. And we're initially presented, Kyokia starts figuring out what the various different games are going to be. And he starts figuring out, as we found out, because he found a novel that basically resembles the Liars game. And he just started picking up. He's like, all the games have been kind of going in order. So I'm basing it off this novel. And then we eventually find out that is the truth. There was this novel. And... When I say we find this out, I mean the last chapter, it is revealed what the Liars game is. And it kind of makes some of the things we talked about earlier make a bit more sense when you're like, oh yeah, why are there idiots running the Liars game? Because the Liars game is made of idiots who previously played in it as an experiment to show how society is oftentimes destroyed by itself. And people in power decided it could not be exposed to the public so they shut it down and then a good long while afterwards uh the the main person in charge of it was like we should restart it again and they're now going to film it and put it out available for everyone on youtube and this is going to be a way to kind of expose everything to show this experiment because the end of this game Akiyama essentially forces a deadlock. The game cannot end because of the mechanics of it. Both sides can't do their actions. There is no way for it to physically continue. 
So the runner of the liar game's like, you're all free. <laughs> you've, you've solved the puzzle, I guess. And it turns out that the reason why the games were done and the novel was written was because it was about a certain country that we won't name, but it's really obvious what country it is. When you see an image of a tank and a person. Uh, and so they're the reason that this happened. And so, but now people will know the truth. And so they put the video of everything online and it's blocked everywhere. It's <laughs> this is how the series ends. It's over now. <laughs> it is blocked. Akiyama's like, Sounds like things are getting crazy, and there is no more series. There is not a sequel series to Liar's Game. Uh, the manga has gone on to other things. I believe, and this is one thing I probably should note earlier, a large reason why I think I stopped reading Liar's Game was because the manga often take would take these very long hiatuses. Mm. Um, and I think it became very difficult to actually write this series uh, for multiple reasons. And the ending is so abrupt and throws you for a loop and you're immediately like what happens next and there is no next and it's such an ambitious ending because it is it is like we are going to strike at the very powers that be and you know really address some of these things and we get none of it there is there is nothing like that you really almost should just stop reading. Like it kind of reminds me a little bit of the office where the last season they're like, yeah, the office was a show we've been filming and they're just going to end watching the office. I was almost like, man, I kind of almost just want to envision like they end watching the liars game as opposed to it being abruptly taken off YouTube. And then Akiyama being like, "Uh Oh, things are happening. You're like, are all these characters going to get killed? <laughs> Cause that's what they implied happened last time. Yeah. Everyone was killed off in order to make sure that all those dangerous ideas didn't get out. It's a really weird thing. And honestly, for the very seemingly socialist agenda of the series, yeah, it makes sense that it would have a big problem with the, you know, the Chinese, um, communist government, which seemingly started off as commun as, attempted socialism but then just turned into a dictatorship uh, <laughs> a lot of socialists hate hate china basically and it was look i'm very glad that i read this series uh i have it's not one of my favorite series that i've ever read but it is a unique entity it made me think about a lot of things and in terms of like stuff that you know i've heard about stuff that i've learned about in a way that no other manga has ever made me think about because it's it is a series that utilizes you know the way that people relate to each other uh you know thinking about the way that people exploit each other and ignore the problems in front of them because they are positioned to attack the people that they should be working with to solve those problems and there's so many different examples of that that, you, that i can think of in real life in terms of the way that the people in power tell you what the problem is as long as you're not thinking that it is them and what they are doing or not doing in order to solve all the issues that face you but not them as the person in power uh and you know a lot of manga don't do that yeah and i have to give a lot of credit to this series for doing that that said outside of certain games being interesting this is not a series that I enjoy very much. 
it's um you know there there are some characters that I, that I got to like and I wanted to see them do cool stuff. There are some games that are clever and it was interesting to see how like a seemingly simple concept at times could be introduced and to see characters, you know, do a kind of minute to learn lifetime to master stuff with it, different ways that you can manipulate the you know, the meta game basically of a of a game that with very simple rules and stuff. But I don't think I want to ever reread this series because it's just not very fun generally. Um, but very, very glad that I did read it. So, yeah, I, I so I definitely was the one who had more fond feelings of this series going into it. I had read it sort of, uh, most of it previously uh, reading it again. I think my it's weird because I definitely am a lot more able to recognize what the series is trying to do. Um, and this is a series that does not feel like it's very ambitious until eventually you're like, wow, there is a lot of ambitious stuff actually going on in this series. Um, and I really do appreciate that. Um, but I do agree that this is a series that lacks a little bit of the entertainment factor that some other series like uh, Alice in Borderland or um, other sort of like quasi battle royale, etc., things like that. Um, it's it's a very it's not entertaining enough for me. There's too many times where I, I feel like I'm reading a stat sheet and things like yeah. that. There are a couple games where I was like, I just need to skip this. I don't care about like, I'm sorry, but bid poker is fucking boring. This is so boring. I don't care about these auctions. I'm just going to skip it. Um, and honestly, like some people get a huge kick out of reading statutes. Yeah. So I would not be surprised. That there are tons of people out there who are like, oh, yeah, I love that aspect of it. And honestly, I give full credit for the amount of detail that goes into designing how a game works and the different strategies that each of the characters. It's very, very well done and well constructed. And I could totally see someone not like me. Well, very like me, actually, reading this and going like, this is amazing. This is so cool. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I absolutely could see. I'm not saying it's like against anyone's uh, prerogative to, to read and enjoy this series. I, I enjoyed this series for its emotional core which is a very rare thing to actually find once a game starts. There are little nuggets here and there, but for a long time, you're just hearing game mechanics. Um, and I, I admire the work that went into this. Um, so I, I definitely would recommend this to most people, especially if you like these sorts of series, you you should read this series. If you like, if you like squid game, give it a shot, you know, what's the worst that can happen. Um, but it was not like the, this is the must read series or anything like that. I was definitely like, this is good, potentially even great, but this is not like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's great. It, it's a good series. that isn't necessarily for me, I guess is the way I'm trying to say it. <laughs> it's a good series that was good enough that even though it's not for me, I still found it to be very good. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> All right. Let's tear through this recap section. <laughs> We got so much more to talk about. It's okay though. I can do my hero academia really quickly. The heroes have a meeting about what they're going to do. It, it's nothing we haven't heard that doesn't make sense. They're going to split up the bad guys. Uh, also, Ragdoll is there. She doesn't really offer anything to the conversation that they're having. I'm sure that she'll be important later. Aizawa <laughs> goes to talk with Aoyama. He says, "You're going to help us." I know it's important. It's like, no, no, you're going to help us. And um. Look, you still got friends, okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah, done, done. All right, let's get out of here, you little scamp. And you're not the only student I have in mind that's going to help us. Spider Shinso, Spider Shinso. He's hanging from that tree. He's Spider Shinso. I know. 
it, that we've established what the it, it it feels hard not to imagine that uh horikoshi just came from watching no way home he's like i want to put spider-man in this manga more than i already have <laughs> really <laughs> multiverse aspect of deku dang it <laughs> shit next time next time um honestly the first time i read this chapter it almost completely went one ear and out the other i reread it briefly before this uh before the podcast recording i was like all oh, right shinzo showed up at the end <laughs> which is i think the only really important thing that happens in it it is significant they do talk about some battle strategies about how they had to separate the different characters now they're like basically every member of the league of villains has to be separated from all for one and shigaraki and then those two particularly have to be kept i think 10 meters i think is the distance they sort it's of like say. kilometers from each other that, that makes more sense it was like 10 yeah. kilo 10 meters that's a jojo fight like, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's it, it's fine it was all right uh all right i guess let's talk about undead unluck nick number 94 the four dead seasons and we get a cool two-page color spread showing basically a, a quick synopsis of all the, the different season fights that happened yeah and it's cool. uh, full color it's very awesome uh we open up and it is Andy talking about how when he first met Fuko, I was only protecting you to bring about my own death. Outside of your ability, you were a normal, bratty little girl. My sole focus was to keep you from dying. You should have been terrified getting wrapped up into this whole godslaying business. And despite that, you've always shown care for others, giving it your all. For me, this guy using you for his own death by risking your life. You keep pressing on and on, making progress and getting stronger. And Andy just pats her on the head. It's like, you've done good. You've, you've, you're... Your unluck may have killed him, but it gave him a satisfying life. It gave him the death he wanted and saved his heart. I really envy him, and I kind of want to die like that, too. And Fuko's like, yeah, but the best I can summon is meteorites for you. And Andy basically is just like, yeah, that's my fault. Like, it's not on you anymore. It's, like, clearly on me as to why this is happening. I was too afraid to straight up accept her feelings. Which is why now it's my turn to fall in love with you. And, you know, there's a lot of nervous stuff like, well, what were you talking about? He's like, yeah, if I increase my likability for you, then I should get a stroke of unlucks that puts those meteorites to shame. And you're going to give me the greatest death ever. And they're having this big conversation in the middle of the city. And he's like, I'm going to drag you around the world and get the even wilder shenanigans. Can you keep up? And Fuko says, sounds sick. Wicked. And then she gets stabbed through the chest by a new character and falls <laughs> to the ground dead. <laughs> Andy freaks out. Uh, this new character just says, that won't do. For people like the two of us, one's capable of overcoming the loop. Death isn't an option. Andy strikes at him. Rip walks over and just says, she hasn't got a pulse. And that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> it is. Like, there's this long conversation between the two of them that's like oh wow andy is like fully accepting his feelings for fuko their love is going to get even stronger they're going to make a huge step in progressing towards the goal of the series which is presumably for andy to have uh, the death that he wants Hi! <laughs> holy shit fuko's dead ah! <laughs> just panic for like the last seven pages <laughs> i love like it's it's so jarring because it's like oh she's been stabbed and then you're like oh my god and then like rip just walks up it's like she's dead and they're like what the fuck's going well she he, to be fair he says she hasn't, she got, hasn't a got a pulse so this could be a negator ability of like on alive or something like that. i don't know um 
But it is crazy because I was thinking about this series a little while ago and I was like, man, the series is moving pretty quick. Maybe like Undead Unlock is going to be ending soon. And then I'm like, something like this could happen. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it won't end for another five years. I have no idea what this series Just strap in and hold on for the ride. Like, (laughs) It's definitely a surprising chapter. Uh, Fucking this dude who shows up and just fucking mercs fucking uh, uh, Fuko real nasty like that. It is a great uh, betrayal of expectations in terms of, all right, they've beaten the final season. Things are going to calm down while we rev up for the next arc. No, Fuku's going to die. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very, very surprising and cool stuff. Uh, Kaiju number eight, I guess. Yeah, so, let's let's talk about Kaiju number eight. Chapter 54. Oh no, Kaiju number 9 has gotten away and he's got Isao's body. And uh, Kafka is really pissed off about this. He screams it towards the heavens, damn it! While his uh, Kaiju form disintegrates around him. Two days later, they hold a, a huge funeral procession for Isao Shinomiya, of course. Uh, big old speeches made. All of the different officers are in black mourning uniforms and stuff. Uh, they hold a, like a 21 gun salute for him. Uh, Kafka is saluting while he's crying. We cut around to see that, oh yeah, there's Mina over there. There are some of Kafka's squad mates and the different squads that they've joined as part of this project. And we cut around to all the different divisions. We're all saluting, uh, for Isao and Kikoru is not there. She has retreated into her father's office and she's got her head slumped on his desk and she's just crying. Um, Kafka, of course, has noticed her absence because she would have been part of the first divisions, part of the funeral proceedings. Narumi goes into Isao's office and con- confronts her there and says, are you sure you're OK not attending the service? And she's just still being hard on herself and blaming herself for the fact she wasn't able to do anything to protect her father. She says, I was too late to make an impact, too weak to save him. It's my fault that it escaped. And Narumi starts to say that that isn't true. The Kikoro stands up. And we get a big two-page spread of her face just ruined by, like, emotions and crying. But she's grimacing it into a stern expression while she cries. And she says, I want to become stronger. And she explains that she knows that her father is still trapped inside of Kaiju number nine somehow. And so she says, I'm going to mourn him when the defense force neutralizes that creature once and for all. And then she starts to apologize for losing her composure and not attending the assembly and stuff. But Nurumi's her enough. He turns around and just says, by the next time we encounter that thing, I'll make sure your strength is unrivaled by all but my own. Keep up and show me results and do that. And I'll overlook your absence at the surface. Carter says, yes, sir. We cut outside to see the Kafka was listening from the hallway. And he looks down at his hand, specifically like this divot in his hand, which... I don't know if that was always there or if it's a battle wound or what. I thought it was his hand didn't unkaiju. Okay, maybe. To a certain extent, I don't know. Maybe the two are becoming one. Where does the person mm. end and the kaiju begin? Uh, oh, right. Uh, nipple peen thing, I guess. It's yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say something <laughs> gross, too. Damn it. Can't compete with the master. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he pulls his gloves on and walks down the hall saying, I swear I'm going to kick Kaiju number nine's ass. Listen, you're it's nice and simple, Kafka, but Kikoro's is way better. <laughs> it's 
it's a good chapter though you know it's a nice way of like wrapping things up while also teasing the various different division people we're going to meet one day and certainly care about just as much as we like oh shit Narumi? Is that his name? Yeah, that's his name. That's his name. That's his name. All right, got it. Nailed it. He's going to be in charge now. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nick. Let's talk about that good-ass dog. Spy Family. It's Mission 58 Part 2. Good-ass dog Bond was saving good-ass dog Daisy, I think was the name. Yes. Can we also note, this is the most frustrating way of numbering chapters. It's not chapter 59. It's chapter 58.2. Two, which is normally reserved for chapters that aren't like full chapters. Yeah, don't do this if you're <laughs> going to do a full chapter, please. <laughs> uh, so they're still, however, in the flaming building. Lloyd has to get them out to safety. Uh, Bond locates a bag that uh, Lloyd uses to like scoop up some clean air so that they can use it as an air supply in emergency. They dash around. They manage to reach a window and break through it and get outside and Oh, look, they saved the little puppy. Hooray! And Bond gives it little licks and stuff. Oh, look, a little bit of of Bond's back is on fire. (laughs) He's just, like, ignorant about it. (laughs) So they pour some water on Bond, who it turns out is not nearly such a big old dog as we thought. In fact, he's quite scrawny and just very, very floofy. So uh, they're surprised by this. Bond sniffs around some more, and oh, he goes off running suddenly. And it turns out he's found the arsonist. Uh, so he dashes in towards the arsonist and clamps down onto one of his legs. Lloyd uh, sees them struggling and realizes, oh, he's the arsonist because he's got a lot of really obvious kerosene cans spilling out of his bag. <laughs> and he has a hat that just says fire on it. <laughs> <laughs> With like... his baseball cap that says, I did the crime. <laughs> It was wearing his I Set Fires t-shirt, which is how we, we figured out who it was. Listen, I just play every Among Us game while I wear this cap that says sus on it, okay? It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, but the arsonist pulls out a knife. <laughs> he had to go into a store and look at a hat and say, yeah, the one that says fire on it. And then, like, he had to resist every urge to his body to say, because I set fires frequently. <laughs> like, he's, like, shaking. He's like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. I start fires, damn it. Oh, she didn't hear me. She didn't hear me, though. Oh, we got it. We got it, boys. Fortunately, he went into the arsonist store where they just, <laughs> it's just, like, they just give that hat away if you buy enough fire-starting products. <laughs> It's Pyro and Firefly and all the other like <laughs> superhero fire villains are in there. And Johnny Storm just go it goes in and he's giving dirty looks to everybody. He's like, come on. <laughs> um Lloyd manages to beat up the guy before he can stab poor Bond, and then he scolds Bond saying, Oh, I mean, good job using the, you know, the 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 Suspect capturing abilities and stuff, but you're supposed to go for the arms. That's why you don't go for the legs. But he gives Bond some head pads as well. And he then he crouches down after scolding him and says, you got to be careful because there's someone else back home who'd be heartbroken if anything happened to you. Um, and he also apologized for, you know, working him so hard and says, your duties as a working dog should come second. I want you to think of yourself as a member of the Forger family first and foremost. Aww. Isn't that nice? And Bond gets all nuzzly and nice with him while they're on their way home, too. Um, and uh, he says that, after, that since he doesn't have any missions to work on, maybe all of them can go to the dog park together tomorrow. 
Nice so and sweet. I did have one question, which is when Bond thinks things, is that not supposed to be shorthand for he sees a vision of it? That's what I thought, yeah. Okay. So I wonder why he saw a false vision of... Oh, I guess uh, Lloyd does... No, he doesn't say anything about he it. He doesn't say that. No, yeah. no. I guess he's just so used to Lloyd scolding him that that's what he thinks might happen. Because okay. we have also seen some imagination spots from him recently that turned out to be incorrect. So okay. That's what I was double checking on. Yeah, this is a super sweet chapter. Bond, I mean, look, he looks like such a nice old man. Like, he does. He looks like such a nice old man. Look how shaved that little dog. I love him. Love another, him so much, Nick. And now that would be receiving the head parts <laughs> and going to the dog park to vote about with others of my kind. Perhaps I will sniff their bottoms. No, not perhaps. <laughs> I shall shaver them like a fine <laughs> Chardonnay upon my nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Nick. Let's talk about Eden, let's talk about Eden Zero. Oh God! <laughs> Chapter one seventy four. Mind getting out of the way. Yeah, we'll also talk about one seventy five after this as well. Uh, the cover page. Uh, no comment. Uh, let's nope. move on. There's nothing to say. It is aggressively horny. Uh, so. Uh, Feather showed up. Uh-oh, this is a bad deal, but turns out... Feather! Yeah, but the main characters are going to get out of there, and they're like, bye, Captain, so we're going to get going. And Feather reveals her special ability, which is, well, her other special ability is she can connect everyone to her ether gear so they can all see forward. This is an essentially useless power-up as everyone is way too strong for her. We see all the characters basically uh, beat up their various different grunts, uh, Weiss at one point is uh, cornered by a guy who's like, oh, I see it. I see your next move. And Weiss shows off. He has a metal arm. Uh, and Shiki basically just explains, it doesn't matter if you can see what we're going to do because we're just too good for you. Um, there's a moment of Captain Connor talking to Noah being like, wait, how old are these kids? Like, what are they doing? Like, what about their family? And basically, he's just like, I don't know, all of them are orphans, which I guess... All of them are orphans? <laughs> all of them? They all be orphans. And uh, Captain Connor, he's real He's real uh, blown away by this. We also get a special call out to Rebecca's overdrive form, which is given all the exciting grace of fucking uh, pinup calendar, <laughs> where you're just like... Oh, there it is. Like, yep. just in this random fight. It's yep, she, uh, she wears a plug suit. There you go. Yeah. Bye. Uh, I do actually kind of like the detail that she has, like, sort of ether whiskers to play into the cat theme. I was like, oh, that's, like, kind of aesthetically interesting. But otherwise, it's like, yeah, she's just in a swimsuit thing and kicks people. Um, so that's that. Uh Feather is like, oh no, he's used his gravity to pin me to the ground. They're all going to escape, but my ships have uh, your ship surrounded. You'll never be able to leave. And Hermit and uh, Sister are like, yep, like we can't escape them. They have racer class ships. Those are the fastest ships in the army. And then Connor's there and he's like, it'd be possible for me to get you out of here. Captain Connor, if I will. And uh, that's chapter 174. In 175, Nick, I don't want to blow your mind. The man, the captain, he's going to get them out of there. 
Yeah, who could have suspected that the crew of the Eden Zero would escape? Uh, I do like how they address in this chapter, though, how fucking worthless the past three chapters were, though, because everyone's like, yeah, yeah they, do, it's, they do call it out. It it's nice. great you're here, but the only reason we're at Blue Garden was to drop your ass off. So if you're just going to come along with us, this entire trip was pointless. Shiki has a good spin on it, though. He's like, no, this was important because now we have our captain. And uh, I do really like that, you know, they call this out and Connor just like, mm. Like oh shit! Uh, uh, suddenly, no one's impressed with me. Um, I really thought that uh, doing all those donuts in in space would help me. We also get another fairy tale cameo. Uh, this is the big one, Nick. This is the one I think everybody was waiting for. Everyone was like, "When is Racer going to show up again?" Racer, my favorite member of the original Racion Six. Racer, Nick, <laughs> he's here. <laughs> Uh, we don't actually get his name, um, but it's just straight up racer, and he commands the racer clip uh, class ships, which are the fast ships, because his yeah. power was super speed. I uh, did not, um, I did not remember him. So, <laughs> well, Hero did, and included him in this series as well for the big cameo that is that. I suppose um, they escape. The, the The captain shifts all the numbers around. He puts all of them into the big thing and goes super fast. Uh, at one point, Feather follows into like a asteroid field, and he's like, "Oi, fire!" And Shiki's like, "No, don't shoot!" And he's like, "Nay, lad, I mean the asteroids." And you're like, "Probably a better way to say that then at that point." But all right, yeah, they fly to the asteroids, they shoot it, they escape into the Cade Cosmos again, and Feather's like, "Drat, they've escaped. I guess it's your turn now, uh, little Feather." Uh, oh, sorry, I guess it's Holy rather who says that. Uh, because she's in the bath. That's how we're going to be introduced to this female character. She's taking a big sudsy bath with her feet right up at the camera. And you see, it's very important that we see her in the bath this time because she's uh, she's holy. And uh, so, uh, you know, the, the bath, of course, is uh, associated with, you know, cleansing oneself, cleansing oneself. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. And uh, cleansing oneself of one's sins. So that is how she remains holy. It's all a uniting theme. And it just shows the genius of Hero to put this voluptuous character in the bath. It's all for the purposes of symbolism, you see. Yes. The reason her feet are in the camera is because Hero likes feet and they make him horny. But symbolically, everything else. Symbolically, Nick, I would like her to shove those toes down my throat. So <laughs> that's what that's the symbolism of that scene. Yeah, that's I, I don't mind the two chapters. I, it kind of works for what they're going for. But there are some silly points. But it, I mean, come on, it's Eden Zero. I, I, I'm not expecting this is like top tier Eden Zero as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The second, honestly, it was really nice to see like a space chase scene like this. It was it was cool. And I did appreciate it. I was like, hey, we're putting Connor in this crew as presumably this time an actual like permanent supporting character. So let's pick him up for a little bit. He does look really cool. And I do like one or two of the details that are in the se- sequence, like the fact that in order to get them to go as fast as they're going, he's just like, turn all the safeties off. And so everyone's like flying around the cockpit because of the momentum of the ship going so fast. And Shiki's just using his gravity ability to just to hold himself in the middle of, of the of the uh, of the cockpit without any problems. It's like, that's a cool uh, little little detail. So, yeah, it was actually quite nice overall. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, Nick. All right. Let's talk about Doron. 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 
We have fun here. We have to because the series is not fun. It's- Chapter six, blackout. Ginchio is going to go and talk to the person. So she's a scientist lady, Nick. You could tell because she has a white lab coat. That's the only. She's detail. either a doctor or a scientist, or I guess any kind of like scientific professional field. Uh, and she is uh, fiercely jealous of anyone who gets close to Ginchio. That is her character. Okay. Uh, and also she provides expository information about Ginchio in order to make her seem important in a very unnatural way, but whatever. Uh, Are we going to talk happens. about the best scene in the entire chapter, which is she explains the Izanagi four samurai hierarchy. Uh, oh, we'll get there. Okay, we'll okay, get there. Okay, we'll get okay. there. Uh, meanwhile, Dora and Kusanagi have gotten some money from Ginchio. So they're like, yeah, let's go have some Doriaki to celebrate. Yeah. By the way, my mom loved Doriaki. <laughs> my dead mom. <laughs> she loved Doriaki. I'm thinking about my mom. Oh, hey, some kids that we saved before. Cool. One of the kids is like, I drew you a drawing. Thank you for saving me. And Dora's like, that's cool. And Kusanagi, who is posing as headphones so he's in disguise, starts crying and soaking his shirt. And Dora's like, stop crying. And Kusanagi's like, I can't help it. I have only two emotions. Angry Mononoke and crying. So he's crying right now. So that happens. Uh, and then they hear that uh, Mononoke is going to duck someone. So... Uh, so Dora gives the kids the food and he's like, here, uh, you, you, you take this. And so he rushes off with Kusanagi. They're going to go and stop that Mononoke. Then we go back to Ginchio and her scientist friend, and they've got a big old spike thing. The object that you collected thought to be a piece of a Mononoke's body. And so they think this is weird because it's like, I thought that Mononoke you know, burn up when they're killed and stuff, when they're morally wounded. Uh, and scientist lady is like, I was able to identify the source. And she leans forward expectantly. Dogen Shio gives her head pats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, I just want to note. Uh, sorry, where were we? I, I zoned out of this chapter. Page 11. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so scientist lady is like, this is no time to lose yourself in bliss. As a samurai, you're the strongest fighter of the 51st branch, Miss Ginchio. And there's a pyramid diagram in the background that says Izanagi for Samurai Hierarchy. There's a lot of weak samurai cadets and then very few really strong samurai elite, which is what Ginchio is. And Ginchio is she makes... a samurai elite or is she just a samurai? I, I don't know. Because they specifically note there's a top of the pyramid that's called Samurai Elite. And then there's a part in the middle that says Samurai. And Scientist Lady's like, as a samurai... You're the strongest fighter of the 51st branch. So is she just the strongest samurai or is she a samurai elite? See, this is why a lot of video games will do this thing where they won't just say like blank position. They'll like give a title to it. It's like to just make it a little bit, you know, less fancy clunky. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although it does also make it confusing in some entirely different way. But just use numbers. So (laughs) (laughs) what what I love is this moment of her uh, being told you're the strongest fighter of the 51st branch with the big infographic. And then Jinji is like, precisely. And there's a little box next to her that says, ha ha. And there's no expression to her. There's nothing. I don't know if it's specifically because she just says ha ha there 
but it was the moment where I was like, Jinchio would be a hundred percent more improved if the role she took in Sori was the equivalent to the role Ken Saban has in Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law, where she's just this <laughs> random annoying pixie that kind of flirts the way through the series, not really following the narrative plot thread of everything. <laughs> like she just shows up to a scene like fucking uh, Kusanagi or whatever his name is, is being attacked, and she just shows up. She's like, "Cookies on Dows, ha ha!" and then gets slapped by a monster off screen or something like that. <laughs> And I was like, I honestly I feel like it'd be an improvement. I feel like I'd get the idea of what she is in this series a little bit more. God. Um uh so the scientist lady says the source is a Monoke, then the past year claimed the lives of seven samurai, twelve cadets, and forty-six civilians. We'd be in big trouble if it showed up now. And Kinchio gasps and goes, You mean da 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 and then we cut away to where Kusanagi and Dora uh they've tracked down the, the, the Mononoke at work and uh they've got uh person that they're throwing off a bridge while going like, please accept my offering but spider dora spider dora <laughs> lots of spider-man references Every, so, everybody's about that spider-man nick dora using kusanagi as a web line swings in and saves her and uh the the mouse monoke is like what have you done ah uh, and the Mononoke that wreaked all the mayhem is the nefarious Hanyagyuki. And oh shit, this big old head suddenly comes up out of the water or the bridge that they're on and crah, crashes up through it. And it's got a, an ugly mug and big old horns and hair and stuff. And Dora's like, what the heck? And <gasps> he has a moment of recognition. And Kusanagi gets the, the woman to safety, uh, shouting out to Dora that they need to escape. But Dora has a flashback of it killing his mom and he's all pissed off and uh yeah as was very sickly put to us by multiple different people i think ah so we're doing the grand fisher arc now okay nick finally finally dora has encountered the <laughs> the whatever ayakashi what the fuck are they called in this series mononoke the, the mononoke that's killed his mom Finally. Yep. After he killed two others. <laughs> it's finally time for that grudge match. Um, yeah, so... I don't know how to feel about this yeah. series. Like, it's just there physically. Like, I really don't have much more of a thought process as I read it. I'm like, it's not necessarily doing anything bad outside of... I just don't fucking get what Gachio is supposed to be in the story at this point. And, you know, I guess I read it. <laughs> That's it. it. It is it is content to be consumed. I guess it is good to have a baseline so you can know, like, you know, when a series is doing good is because it makes you feel something. So it's uh, yes. Yeah, I'm very much with you right there. It's like just there. Physically there. <laughs> You know, I know it's also still here for a little bit longer, Nick. A bit longer. Have you have you come around to the the inevitable side yet? It's uh, not time for that yet. It's okay. uh, Magu-chan comes first alphabetically. That's what I mean. Have you come around to the idea that Magu-chan is ending, Nick? Well, there is a character in here that says it's going to go on forever. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I'm just, I'm just. 
Oh, and it's an explanation. But this guy says, we'll never stop reading this. So. <laughs> no, obviously, we're going to experience this day for the next 20 years. Like, it's just going to be nothing else. <laughs> um, honestly, I'm not even really thinking about it at this point. Okay. Um, if it happens, then it happens. I think that it'd be an okay time to, you know, draw the series to a close or it could keep on going. So, all right. Uh, chapter 74 of Magachan got a destruction. Yupisusu, the eternal. Uh, so this uh, new God, of course, has cast everything into everyone experiencing the same day over and over again. Uh, and we get that Nabutiku is really, really pissed off that he's not getting his wages because of this time loop. Um, the, all the chaos gods that are at the uh, Paranormal Research Club place are all sharing their experience of experiencing the same day over and over again. So we get confirmation that Gula and Zonzage do have recollections of this. Uh, and Zonzage um, is just getting pranked with the jack-in-the-box thing by Yuika every single day now. <laughs> Um, that felt so really sad to me. I got really <laughs> sad. I was like, this poor, this poor motherfucker whose entire life is just pure unbridled anxiety just gets scared by his fucking, like his fucking partner all day. Yeah. I was like, this is a hell. Uh, Naputiku gets the idea that he can, you know, use this to win a bunch of money at gambling. So he runs off with, with Ren's wallet. <laughs> Oh, Nabutiku, you scamp. Um, Ren is confused, not Ren, but uh, Ruru is confused by what everyone's doing. Magu says, even if I were to explain it to you, you would not understand. It is a matter for superior beings. All right, don't God-splain to her. <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, but he does eventually just come right out to her because she, because she says like, hey, you know, if you have problems, you can talk to them about me and talk to me about them rather. Uh, and so Maga decides to trust in her and be like, at the end of tonight, it will become this morning again. We are experiencing the same day for the sixth time in a row. Lowly humans cannot even begin to fathom the powers of odds of chaos. They are manifested into the mortal planes from a high dimension of space. Uh, and Rue gets really pissed off about this because she's like, oh man, tomorrow's lunch is curry. <laughs> I'll never get to scab it now. And Magu is struck by the fact that she believes him so immediately. So in order to do something, they need to go get some natto. So they keep on doing the same thing that they did yesterday. But after that, they uh, run into Uneris, who is accompanied by Ninitz. 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 Ninitzi. There. That's it. Uh, and so they need to, you know, go and plan. So Uneris and Magu head off to their treehouse club fort place that we've only seen once or twice uh, uh, since they built it. Uh, and in it, see someone's like a bunch of, I don't know, himself uh, and just pulls in all the other chaos gods so that they can, you know, work out what they're going to do. But that's not going to be enough. So Uneris is like, we need someone who will take care of this. So she's gets Lord Muscar and frees him from his sealed form. So he's in his humanish childlike form again with working earring things and uh because he has experienced the same day over and over he's like my adjustment of fate is at maximum so i'm gonna pull a fuko meteorite blam uh uh but uh that didn't really uh work he catches the meteor and is just like don't you wish for eternity 
And Magu says, hey, why are you doing this shit? Stop that. And Yipisusu says, I wish to know what humans desire. Uh, and we cut back to Rura at that point, who is thinking about Magu and also her plans for tomorrow and stuff. And she realizes, oh, I've had this feeling before when she thinks about when her mom was asking her what she wanted to do with her life and also when her dad died. And she says, right, my dream for the future is, and that's where the end of the chapter comes. So it is a second part of a saga chapter. Stuff progresses, but all the interesting stuff hasn't happened yet. So, yep. There's a little bit of nice moments here and there, but it's very much just kind of there in terms of how Magu chapters tend to go. Exactly. All right, Nick. So, before we get into this... Last time on Dragon Ball Z. Before we get into this, uh, we're so this is the first time we're going to be talking since chapter three about P-P-P-P-P-P, uh, which you decreed as your Money in the Bank win. So... To keep with the wrestling theme surrounding the series, I was struck by an idea. Chris, I have a wrestler in mind. Okay. I'm going to describe them. Rob Conway. No, no, no. Okay. In six words that begin with P. All right. Proud Papa, Percy Pringles, Pyro, Protégé. Proud Papa. Percy Pringles, Pyro, Protégé. Do you want to see how it's written out? I'm trying to think. Proud Papa feels like that should be the biggest clue. I'm blanking. Here's how it's all written out. Just in case you want to look at it. Percy Pringles, Pyro Protege. It's the rest I would know. This isn't like some New Japan guy. You would absolutely know who this is. All right. I'm just going to start listing people. Kurt Angle. Uh, no. Funakai. Uh... <laughs> Okay, I like this. <laughs> one of the most famous wrestlers of all time. Like <laughs> the answer. It's like when I do Wordle and my first word is train and I only get like one letter off it. So my next word's like fucking proxy. <laughs> like I'm like, gotta get X and Y in there. I think two days ago you would have gotten it on your second try. So. <laughs> uh, the answer is Kane. Oh, okay. What, how is he a proud papa? He's not the proud papa. Percy Pringles is the proud papa. Oh, is that uh... Paul Bear was Whoa! also known as Paul Bear was also known as Percy Pringles. Oh, so is this the gimmick for every week of uh, PPP? You're going to come up with a wrestler. I'm going to have to guess based off of just a P alliteration. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm all for it. Did you do this because so... you didn't find PPPPP to be that? <laughs> I don't know. I think I was just trying to play around with intro intros that I could do. And this was one that I landed on. And then I started thinking of some other wrestlers that I could do. And I was like, I can keep doing this. So you're like, and I'm only going to do it for like, what, four more weeks? That too. So (laughs) hopefully I'm not going to try and get you to guess Funaki. (laughs) That'd be really funny, though. If every week I name a huge wrestler and then go right to Funaki. I'm like, it's going to be him one week. All right, go ahead. So I think we'll have you actually uh, cover this one because, um, I mean, I got the gr- I got generally what's going on, but I haven't caught up with the series. Oh, God, so. you should have done this. Uh, 
Because this is a series I forgot to read this week. Oh, well, uh, um, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll go through it and you just cover for all my gaps in knowledge. Yeah. So it's it's chapter 16, Me? Or yeah. m- me, like yeah. Doremi, I guess. All the kids, if you follow their the first syllable of their name, spell out Doremi Foss. So whatever, or whatever seven beats into it would be. Oh la la key. Okay. Yeah. So, um, apparently she's playing the piano for Lucky. I guess. Yeah. Well, last time she she wanted to. She found him in like the the convenience store he's working out or whatever, and she's like, "I'm going to play two versions of a song. You tell me which one is better." And I guess Lucky can see visions when other people play songs now. Everyone Cause... can see music every time someone plays songs now. It's because they all kind of like that was the whole thing with uh oh god, I should have opened up my list of names for this series. Rajiro, I think was his name, the young uh, other sibling we met. Uh, his whole thing was like sunsets. And then you found out it wasn't actually even sunsets. Sometimes there's gigantic titans actually made into the sky that you see. Uh, It's how we express music. All right. (laughs) It makes monsters. Uh, So in this case, there is a rendition of Fur Elise that she's playing. But the image that comes to mind is a bunch of magical girls. Although some of them don't really look like magical girls because one's wearing like a toga and one's wearing like a onesie. Whatever. Yeah, like uh, all magical girls do. You think you gotta have a variety of them. You have to have like, and they're fun- you have to have like cowboy magical girl, uh, professional wrestler magical girl, uh, New York gangster magical girl, uh, firefighter magical girl, <laughs> dog person magical girl, just dog magical girl. That's a different one there. Beast magical girl, warrior magical girl, beast warrior magical girl. <laughs> Winged Beast Magical Girl. Oh, How did I forget Winged Beast? Aqua and Fish and Sea Serpent. They're all different. They're all different. <laughs> um, so that all is happening. Um, I'm guessing this is the thing that has been happening more often where Lucky um, has a star head in a humorous panel, I guess. Because it keeps on happening throughout this chapter. He just has a star head. Well, he's got like he's... his little kind of star-shaped face, you know. Doesn't look like a star. So, I mean, like, kind of sometimes does. Sometimes I don't he's know. called he's called lucky. I'll accept a star. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All so, right. all right, all right. Let's go. Let's go. So he starts recapping while this whole sequence where they're fighting a god. Well, the magic girls are fighting a Godzilla thing plays out, and with her piano playing, like, what the hell? All right, Mimin has always been unique, uh, or weird. When she's silent, she looks like a terribly beautiful doll, is what the grown-ups would say. And it's the same for her piano playing. All right. Uh, But when she plays with her unique interpretation, the fantasy she invokes is always different from what you'd expect. So she plays this out, and she's like, oh, what did you think of the first version? Okay, okay, okay. Here's the second version. And when as she plays, a bunch of leaves with piano keys on appear. (laughs) And just like real music, Nick. Just like you'd expect it to. And as if it's the most natural thing in the world, Lucky says, trees with piano keys for leaves appear. <laughs> you can see the music among the branches. No, you can see the piano keys among the branches. <laughs> it's like playing hide and seek with, with the, the music. music. 
I can't stop listening. And also, amongst this forest of piano key trees, leaved trees, is Beethoven. The actual Beethoven, who just goes... I really picked a weird chapter to not read until this book. Who just goes, Elise, Elise, ah, hmm. Ah, Elise, I stretch out my hand, but it won't reach you, Elise. Elise, Elise. And Lucky, watching this, goes, that's Beethoven, right? (laughs) Yes! Is he saying it, too? I know it's to himself, but I wish he had said it out loud, like, to one of the trees, like, is that Beethoven? (laughs) Hey, wake up. Wake up. One of the trees... One of the trees just goes, why are you asking me? I'm a tree. <laughs> also, I'm not real. <laughs> and then it plays a little song with its leaves. <laughs> so, Lucky goes, has this piece always had someone calling for Elise this much? I'm not sure. I mean, Beethoven did write for Elise for an Elise. That's why it's called for Elise. So <laughs> I think it was like a friend's daughter or something like that. So um but um a a, a bow in haired person whispers in his ear, you don't know music analysis. Okay? Maybe that happened earlier. I don't know. I think so, that might have been the girl from last chapter. Sometimes characters, like, this is the thing you're going to pick up on a PPPPP. Sometimes characters just show up like they've always been there, and you're like, oh, I've got to keep pace with this. I'm the asshole. Uh, let's see. So, um, and, uh, that happens, uh, and then, uh, Lucky is like, I have to know what the piece is saying. I need to have a better understanding of this piece. I still have so much to learn. And then the vision goes away. And uh, Mimin has gathered a huge crowd of people who are like, oh, wow, what what a wonderful playing. And she's disappointed to see that it's really kind with a bunch of people. So she turns to Lucky and she's like, which one did you like, Mr. Doppelganger? I'm sure that it makes sense in context. She she's she's I don't know she's just weird and she she's like you look a lot like Lucky but she she for some reason just keeps thinking he's a doppelganger. Okay, so Lucky's like oh, I like the second one. She's like yeah yeah, lots of people are like you people who blindly follow whatever is considered good. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it's like, there are a lot of people of all, like you basic bitches who don't know nothing. <laughs> first of all. <laughs> He was liking it well before the crowd gathered. Uh, it's very easy to know this. That's how uh, it, that's it. He's like, excuse me, I enjoyed the Leaf Pianos before everyone else showed up. <laughs> I bet was, they didn't even see Leaf Pianos. When it was just me and Beethoven. <laughs> and that tree what? who wouldn't talk back to me. <laughs> that, that asshole. She's like, what? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? So she goes on to say, people who enter competitions and win, who then become pros and who eventually become judges who say, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that either. Well, I feel so restricted and there aren't many like me. I live freely. Why do they give me bad reviews? In fact, why should I have to be reviewed? What's with this system? It's a system that doesn't care about the pianist. That's why I want Papa to expel anyone who loses to me. <laughs> I hate people who dictate what is and isn't good. That's why I'm going to dictate what is and isn't good. <laughs> and then 
I'll run all of the cuisine in Japan and determine what is hot cuisine and determine what the masses eat. I mean, what music they listen to. <laughs> exactly. This series also has an evil dad in it. <laughs> it does. So, <laughs> um, it's it's a weird thing, but I guess it does make sense. Where she's like, "Look, I just want to fucking be able to play what I want to play." So as a result of that, I have also completely drunk my dad's Kool Aid in terms of what I have to play, so that I will win, so that I can decide what I want to play. It's you know, it's it's good flawed villain mm-hmm. logic. So. Um, and there's a competition coming up, uh, and Lucky says, to, or starts to say to her, "Man, that's a really selfish way of thinking." And she's like, "I won't stop. I'll do anything for my freedom." And Lucky says, "Well, then I'll enter the All Japan Student Music Competition to stop you." And Mimin says, "What did you say? Like, who do you think you are?" I like her. She's she's amusing to me. She makes she's actually me laugh. kind of memorable. Yeah, so, yeah, she's this weird character. And I do like how we're kind of slowly escalating the antagonist. Because, like, Rageo, we're like, oh, we find out he's not that bad of a guy. And he's actually had a pretty rough life. With this character, like, okay, she doesn't like her dad, but she realizes she has to kind of go along with what he says so that she can ultimately earn her freedom for them. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's a very interesting dynamic. Uh I like her. She's entertaining. She's the one who bit the dad's hand before, where he she uh, okay. said something and he went to smack her, and she just went ow and just bit his hand. And it's the greatest moment this series has ever had. <laughs> I will also say, I like her hair. I like how absurdly chaotic it is, and how it's like always getting in her face and stuff. It right. actually, it's not you know constantly perfect and framing her face in a way that just fits the character design. It looks like she's actually moving about because it gets in the way and stuff. Yes. So it's a nice touch. Yeah. So, I mean. I thought that the stuff in the actual fantasy sequence was the stupidest part of this chapter. And I actually thought it was okay at that. So there you go. Nick's coming around. I never said I did. I did a slight PPPPP. That's the number of piece. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Stone. Time to get stone. Sorry. <laughs> Z equals 225 docking. Uh, so um, they have successfully docked with one part of the ship. Uh, but then immediately after that, they start to experience trouble because the, they can't hear people over the radio. Oh, no. And the, the next part of the ship is coming in and they can't coordinate with the ground team. And if they can't coordinate with the ground team because of some sort of electrical malfunction. And that means that something could, is going to go wrong with this very, very delicate procedure. Uh, and so the third part is coming in and it's like, ah, oh, shit. Uh Half of our imaging is gone. We can't see it coming in. Uh, So Kaka says, Stanley, can you get it done with your skills alone? And Stanley just assumes the controls and just just like, yeah, (laughs) clicks it in perfectly. Yep. Nice. Uh, But at that moment, they found the source of the problem or Senku has. There is a single hair follicle that has gotten stuck into one of the circuit boards and that hair follicle got petrified. So it's just this big old strand of rock that is messing with some of the circuitry. Uh, and Dukak is like, well, how did that get there? Fucking yo, come on, yo. You're always being an idiot getting your hair in places. What are you even doing there with no hairnet on? Fucking yo. Honestly, Stupid what was jerk. he doing there? What was he doing there without a freaking hair thing to stop this exact thing from happening what the fuck dude yeah just a dummy big dummy 
So they realize that this is what has happened. And Senku's like, oh, man, we we should we should have moved after being petrified. The explanation of what went wrong always comes after the fact. And at that moment, like the the circuitry breaks entirely. It's smoking and ruined. And their docking screen has gone dark. And Kuhaku's like, oh, man, what are we going to do? Stanley asks if Senku can fix it. And Senku's like, I mean, no, because we're in space and I don't have the parts or the time or the means. Uh, so they're in trouble. What's going to happen? But then suddenly the part in space levels off and it is coming in just in a direct line to dock with them. And they're like. That means someone must have hitched a ride on the part on that part of the ship. And Hukuhaku says, who'd be so reckless to do that? And Seku says, who'd pull a 10 billion percent insane stunt like that? You mean only one guy in the whole stone world? Actually, I can think of many people who would do something that stupid in this cast. <laughs> Chrome, Taiju, Suika, lots of people would have done this. Yes. Honestly, Ryusui, who it actually is, was probably the second or third person that I thought of that would have done that. Yeah, until it happened, I was like, my first thought was probably Ryusui, just because I was like, he wanted to go to space anyway. But I was like, if they said Taiju or Chrome or even uh, not Genma, what's the uh, the mentalist? Genro. Gen, Genro, no. The mentalist. Oh, Gen. 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 I was like, even any of them, I'd be like, I could almost see them as well. Uh, but he gets this big two-page spread as he's assuming the controls of this part of the ship saying, ha ha, outer space is mine! Um, and we see that Sai is like, oh man, he just never changes. That's the first words he says in space. And uh, we also see Francois, who looks uh, a bit sad, uh, seemingly, about uh, their uh, master and friend going off to space like this. Um, and uh, so like, well, yeah, he's steering that part of the ship. But he doesn't have a reaction wheel, which is something I have never heard of before. But it works with like gyroscoping technology in order to rotate and pilot, you know, stuff in space. And uh, somehow Ryusui is adjusting the craft without that. Uh, the way he's doing this is by spinning himself around the cockpit really, really rapidly. So he turns himself into a gyroscope because he's insane like that. And uh, docking successful. They make a big old B-wing looking ship. And um, Seku's like, something's missing. Sharpie that e equals MC squared onto my shirt. And uh, that's where the chapter ends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a chapter. I mean, it's mildly amusing. Uh, and we get the, the full visual of like, hey, the ship's complete or whatever. Is there one more piece? I forget. No. Um, I, well, there's four there, it looks like. So I guess there is one more. Okay. So I don't know if they're just like, well, that one's going to be unless <laughs> other characters smuggled themselves up on that one. I guess we don't see a ton of people on the ground. I guess the only person we know didn't also hitch a ride is fucking uh, Z uh, Zenbo or whatever, Zeno. Zeno, and we also see Taiju shouting through it, and Chrome is next to Zeno. Oh, and Sai and Francois. Actually, we see yeah. a lot of characters, so never mind. I guess it can't be anybody. Well, there is a large cast to this series, so there are potentially still a lot of people that it could be. I just be, want so. the next six chapters to be other characters who snuck up into space as well, so it really defeats the purpose of like, four chapters straight. Like, who's going to get to go? You're like, hey, the gang's all here! Like, 12 of us showed up! 
And Rius is like, aren't you happy to see me? And they're like, one of us has to stay behind now because we can't actually move all the weight back to Earth now. Oh. Sorry about that, Kohaku. Like, why would we send the lightest person? <laughs> He's already pushed her out of airlock. He's like, oh, I thought... Should have waited, I guess. <laughs> Well, anyway, guys, what's done is done. Let's get out of here. Hey, we're gonna Space have some fun. is fine. We're All gonna, right. We're going to have some fun times when we get back, right? Remember Dragon Dollars? Anyway, I've cryptoized it all, so you had to get on the blockchain if you want anything. <laughs> Let me tell you about this concept of a story about called artificial scarcity. You see? <laughs> I artificially made more room on the ship more scarce by pushing Kohaku at the airlock. So now we all anyway, have more room. Uh, anyway, uh, look, I just sold myself this uh, part of Kohaku's body uh, for oh, $10 trillion. The darkest version of an NFT. <laughs> I have an NFT of Kohaku screaming for air as she's put out the airlock. <laughs> like, ooh. Yeah, I'll bet you want your hands on this. Yeah, it'll cost you $50 billion. I don't like this new version of Ryu's way. Greed is good. <laughs> and that's like, after that chapter, Jump puts a little tweet out at the end that just says, it's not NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy it's, what a time twitter was yesterday <laughs> it's 40 dollar frankie t-shirts instead but uh yeah good times all right nick let's talk about mashal magic and muscles chapter 92 mash burn dead at the bottomless trap hole good Ooh, wait a minute <laughs> so mash Beat Rose Quartz. He's done for. And Rose Quartz gives his little sad speech to himself. I'm sorry. I couldn't win. You're kind of swasted on me. And I'm a weakly and a cheat. Your little brother is a total failure. There's no point in living if I can't reach the top. And Mash says, if you keep tricking people and using them, you're going to end up alone, you know. But I do respect how much you wanted to win. And we get like a collage flashback of Rose Quartz's time with his, his dad and his, his sibling and everything like that. And his sibling even covering him after everything happened. You know, he used to get beat up by his dad saying, you did your best, Levis. Uh, so Rose Quartz is just like, shut up, you loser. And Mash is like, not the direct type, are you? He's like, well, you may have beaten me, but don't get ahead of yourself. You're going up against Domino next and you don't stand a chance at winning. And they're like, yeah, he even beat one of the visionaries. We messed him up so bad that there was no hope for him. And, you know, Domino, he was just a kid at the time. And he has the power of a little god behind him. The very reason magic is worshipped as divine. Strong as you are, you won't... Mash has already left. I mean, th that's just how the scene ends. Whereas Quartz has just been talking to nobody. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, Didn't even get him to get his dramatic speech in. Nope. It's just gone already gone uh we cut over innocent zero is in his uh bad guy villain tank getting stronger and recovering and he just says domina should nearly have the wanda beginnings among my children domina's qualities make him the strongest magic user how far can one inferior one lacking magic like mash bernadette do against him <laughs> and mash is at i guess this is still the mansion but it's tough to tell because it's a giant bridge over a pit and Mash just says, top bad guy spotted. And Domino's like, I've been waiting. This is all for naught unless I defeat you. And 
We get like a small collage of the opponent's mashes defeated to get here, like Lord Abel, Margaret, and Adore. Uh, I don't know why that's the first one we see, but I guess it's to show the the full journey. It's when Mash and Finn first met. Um, but Finn's like, I know you can win, Mash. And Mash goes running up this staircase, which I, I thought it was actually a bridge, but actually, I guess, is a staircase without much depth to it. Uh, and boom, magic destroys the bridge. Oh, no, Mash is going to fall into a bottomless pit. That pit, like an abyss, he'll never quad. What was that? Thud. And Mash has survived by slamming his feet into the wall and walking up it. And Finn just says, yikes. I mean, he would do that. I guess it's about as much, but still. And Mash ends the chapter by basically walking vertically up the wall and just stares at Domina and says, is that the best magic can do? And Domina just ends it by saying, keep talking. I'll shut you up soon enough. Yep. Yeah. It is a mashal ch- is a mashal chapter. This is one of the chapters that I was least excited about, uh, if only because I was like, it's not as amusing as the other ones, but um I did still appreciate certain parts of it, I suppose. I do I like I liked Mash walking up the wall. Yeah. That's that's it's like <laughs> I really, really hope we actually get to see the other characters do their fights because I kind of want to see more of like Margaret and Lord Abel and, and Abyss Razor. So I'm hoping they don't just get pushed off to the side here, but I feel like that might just be what ends up happening. Um so let's move on to the elusive samurai chapter 46 hair 1335 tokyuki has to pursue yoritsugu as part of their game and catch him before he reaches that tree over there so, uh, but of course yoritsugu is explaining his position as god to get all of the different people in the shrine to try and stop tokyuki um and this chapter is basically just a big old yeah, Tokyuki has come a long way and is insanely good at evading, but also has just learned a lot over, you know, all these dangerous missions that he's been on. So he's like dancing from tree to tree, dodging around people's attacks, uh, jumping over people's heads and stuff. And we see that as he's pursuing Yoritsugu that he's getting really excited by this now. There's this very kind of terrifying image of him as he's chasing down Yoritsugu. And uh, so Yoritsugu's like, okay, well, I'll uh, go across this bridge and then throw us, throw, and then I'll collapse the bridge behind me. He'll have to go around it. He can't chase me. And Tokyo just ju- jumps across the gap and uh, catches him and just says, the pillar's still far away. You sure you want to continue? And Yoritsugu's like, what the fuck? Come on. <laughs> you suck. I hate you. <laughs> uh, and Tokyo uh, says, yeah, well, you know, I'm pursuing while fleeing right now. That's why I'm able to do this. Uh, and I don't have to hurt anyone this time, so I can enjoy myself to the fullest. But from now on, I've got to serve as a figurehead in deadly battles. And if you exile me, that role may fall on you. We're both young and must be leaders, but you don't need to hurt anyone yet. Uh, you is like, fuck you, and starts to run away uh, straight off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he catches himself on some grass, which, of course, immediately starts tearing under his weight. So Tokyuki has to catch him but he's over the edge of the cliff already so he's got to get something so that he can lower it down to him and there's no rope or vines or anything in reach so he lowers his own hair for Yoritsugu to grab onto the hair that of course was considered sacred uh, as laid out in the previous chapter uh, 
and Yoritsugu is basically just like, come on, your your hair is gonna come out. Without your hair, you'll lose holiness and the and prestige in the eyes of your people. And Tokiki says, hey, you grow your hair for the same reason, and you're the only one who needs to be a sacred symbol. You're a Sue and I'm Hojo. My destiny is to fight. Also, my head looks really silly right now because you're breaking my neck while also ripping my hair up by the roots, and it really hurts. Uh, so Tokiki manages to climb up, pull himself up to safety, and he says, you could have won by letting me die. Tokiki's like, yeah, so I'm not a psychopath. Also, let's be friends. Um and he says as well, if you had died, Yoroshige don't know to have been sad. And I think of him as a father, I, even though I don't have the blood connection that you do. Uh, Yoritsugu is, of course, upset. And he just comes out and says, like, ever since you came around, my grandfather's been treating me less kindly. He hasn't been spending as much time with me. I don't really care about the godhood stuff. I just don't want him to be taken away from me by someone. So Tokiyuki says, well, OK, leave it to me. Technically... I am your father or grandfather's lord, so I can make the occasional request. And so he goes to the two of them and says, Hey, um, I'm going to leave all of your duties, Yoroshige, to Tokitsugu. You go spend time with your grandson for those three days. That's an order. Don't let him get lonely. Um, and Yoroshige is very touched by this. And Yoroshige takes him and says, Oh, you've been lonely. I guess I have been lax with you. And he starts giving him cheek rubs. And then he goes into like cheek rub overdrive and just and he's like a razor because he's, you know, got like rough, you know, man face skin. And yeah, rough man face skin. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> well, look. I, I understand, Nick. Your face is very unpleasant to touch. <laughs> yeah, we, we've all we've all we've always we've always known it. So Yoritsuka's like, mm, um, maybe, maybe I didn't really want this. Ah, uh, I'm going to spend three days with this person. Uh, and so Tokugi walks off. He runs into Kotro, who says, you look really pleased. What happened, my lord? And Tokugi just has light shining down on him and says, Kotro, it feels good to do a good deed. And there's a little, little indicator next to him that says zero malice. It's like he thinks he did a good. <laughs> and Yoritsugu is still kind of upset with Tokiyuki. And that's our chapter. Yeah, so. it's actually a pretty good chapter. I, it is an amusing twist to be like, oh, this was just a young child who really misses his family and wants yeah. to spend time with them. And then at the end, kind of gets the, well, you get what you wish for, just deserts punishment of like, no, oh, this is horrible. No, you're like, interesting. I didn't think we were going to get both of these things together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it is amusing. But yeah, it's it's actually a pretty fun way to end this little story arc here yeah and so it seems as though Yorisugu and Tokyuki might still have a little bit of tension between them but we do establish like he's going to be a very important ally of Tokyuki's in the future so all right Nick let's move over to Black Clover page 319 great magic knights versus king of devils so Lucifero now is squaring off against all of the members of the magic knights who are still around here and we have uh all of them come and attack Lucifero and uh Mario Leona says, oh, he won't burn. And Jack the Ripper says, I can't cut this guy. After oh, we my one weakness. <laughs> after we established, by the way, his magic cuts anything. It can't cut this. So uh, I guess it's a flaw in his big magic attack already. It's, 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 it's a continuation of the 
you know, little kid fights the syndrome yeah. that Black Clover occasionally has. Like, my sword can cut anything. Well, you can't cut me. Well, my sword can cut things that can't be cut. Well, it can't cut me. Yeah. 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 Uh, Lucifero looks at all of them the same way I do, which is like, I fucking hate every single one of you, and I want you to go away. And just starts. Oh, boy. Away. What am I going to do against the great hero, Jack the Ripper? <laughs> <laughs> Just starts smacking him away. And I, I actually do enjoy it because Lucifero really does seem like he doesn't want to be here. Like, he's really like, how fucking long do I have to put up with these fucking idiots? Like, he really does not seem to like it. Everyone's trying to do their various attacks. Uh, I think it's Seke who's like, they're captains and even they can't touch them. What kind of power is that? There's no way we can beat this guy. Lucifero's like, the mere idea of lowly humans challenging me to battle disgusts me. You should be despairing and prostrating yourselves. And Mariana goes to punch him and gets knocked away again, but she says, sorry, no can do. No matter how far beneath you we are, we've been granted the title of strongest. And all the characters have their various expressions. Um, Will and Dorothy Unsworth are unhinged. Yeah, they they have gone full like fuck. We've been granted the title of strongest. Will has a full on fucking Kubrick stare going on. Like he is he is he is Elmo after being told Rocco has shown up again. Like he's just he's like staring directly at the camera and there's just furious intensity in his eyes. Uh, I just want to note that their expressions are horrified. I thought they were the villains when I first saw this panel. Yeah, it's um. It's also not the kind of line, really, that you can just have someone say while making any face. Like, it's a very, like, determinator line kind of thing. They and all, yeah, they all express it their own way. But, like, it's just amusing to me that two of them are fucking, based off the way they express themselves here, are fucking psychopaths. They are going, they're fucking in it. Or they're on something. Like, Real was just like, gotta get into this fight. Better do a fucking pound of speed. <laughs> Let's do this. Well, yeah, he's got to cast three types of magic now. <laughs> well, he makes he paints a picture of someone casting three types of magic. That, that's what lets it happen. Oh, man, I could imagine someone casting three types of magic, but I couldn't imagine their body being able to handle it. <laughs> they die. Uh, and then the chapter ends with Asta showing up behind Lucifero saying, like, you could ever understand how awesome great magic knights are. Yep. Yep. As I said, I really like Lucifero as just this this dude who just does not give a shit about these people and is just like, get fucking out of here. Uh, but the actual other stuff, I, I like the captain stuff is just kind of meh, whatever. I'm really at this point just kind of like waiting for this part of the series to be over, like this very specific fight between Lucifero and, you know, everyone, because we've already been told like, yeah, there's there's other stuff past him. Yeah. So we've got to get to that. Um, in the meantime, it is nice to see some of the stuff that he does where he's just like, he's not actually casting spells. He's just, you know, face palming nose L in order to throw him away and stuff. Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. One piece. Da, 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 da. All our friends are here. Chapter 1037. Uh, chapter 1037. Drunken Dragon Bagua. Uh, the celebration is still going on because people still don't understand that there is an island that's going to fall on them. Oh, no. 
and we also see that uh, they're going to be lighting lanterns uh, and they're going to write wishes on them. And um, the first one we see is this kid that says, I want to see mommy, which is just like, oh, she's dead, isn't she? <laughs> Uh, and one of them is a, was a woman writing, I hope I can feed my children tomorrow. Which is... It's dark. It's pretty like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, Billy. Luffy's fighting Kaido. I want to like, cut over drunk. and it's me. And I'm just like, I'd want Speed Racer on Blu-ray. <laughs> I want Dogma to get a reprint on Blu-ray, please. And I look over and I see the one about like I hope I can feed my family. I'm like, oh, and peace on earth, <laughs> something like that. At the end. <laughs> Kaido's getting drunk while he's getting ready to fight Luffy, and Luffy's like, "Why are you doing that?" Kaido says, "Cause I'm having fun." You want one too? <laughs> Luffy doesn't drink; he's responsible. So, well, like, Luffy's like annoyed. He's like, "What are you doing? You're drunk," and it's like. Luffy, every one of your fucking fights, you do dumb shit throughout the whole fucking thing. Yeah. You've tried to eat, like, three of your opponents throughout this series, so. <laughs> Interesting trivia. <laughs> Who are you to get angry here? Uh, Kaido also starts drunkenly laughing, and so Luffy gets really pissed off, and then he says, don't use that as an excuse for why I beat you. But as it turns out, Kaido has a drunken style on top of everything else in terms of how strong that he is. Uh, and so he dodges an elephant gun that Luffy launches by just lurching backwards, and then snaps back, and with the momentum, launches his drunken dragon bagua lightning hammered, and just knocks Luffy away. Uh... And um, it looks like it hurts a lot because he smashes him straight into the ground. And Luffy's like, man, that hurt. <laughs> He's so tough. This guy's the best. Uh, so he goes, af he goes after Kaido again. And Kaido just says, as fun as this might be, the castle and Islander I have destroyed already. They're useless to me now. I'm so miserable. Can't even keep one castle intact. I'll have to rebuild, I guess. Oh, I gave everything I had, but it just wasn't meant to be. Uh, and he also keeps on fighting while doing this. He launches a, a drunken version of his twister attack thing that we've seen him use before. And then he just starts crying because he's so upset about everything. It's like, leave me alone! Ah! Swings his club uh, and gets set to launch his Thunder Bagua. And Louis like, no, that's not happening again. Jumps over it and launches a big old punch while stepping on the club. Like, you know, like like Dark Link does in, in Ocarina of Time where he just steps on your sword when hits you while he's up Aww. there like an asshole jerk. Uh, and then uh, kind of just lurches back up after this punch. So he and Luffy headbutt. What? I don't even know if they touch heads or if like the hockey goes up against each other. Yeah, it's, or the, it's, it's the Conqueror's hockey. That's what they've established happens when you charge attacks with Conqueror's hockey and then they meet. It just becomes this like conflict in the space between. Mm -hmm. Which is bad for Luffy because apparently getting drunk is empowering Kaido with even stronger hockey. Uh, and then he fires a breath weapon from his mouth, uh, which Luffy has to dodge. Luffy launches his a rock attack. Uh, which is his gum gum rock gatling, which I'm not sure if we've seen that one before or not, but he's like armament hockeying his giant fists while gatling gunning. Yeah. And uh, Kaido is meanwhile launching a swarm of his own club attacks 
and each of them is taking attacks from the other while they're exchanging blows. Luffy manages to get in a, a huge blow to Kaido's gut. Oh, and I, we cut away. I forgot there was an actual end to this chapter. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of just action, 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 action. By the way, big, big important plot twists. <laughs> we cut over to Sacred Mary Joa. Um, so the five elders are talking. Remember them? We last yes. saw them like a year and a half ago, briefly. Yes. <laughs> That's, I think it might have even been longer than that. When was the reverie? Like, I think that might have been two years ago. <laughs> so one of them says this year's reverie is simply accursed. What it's what is unfolding on Wano that makes matters pressing now. Who could have imagined the battle would become this intense? If we strike, it should be now. I presume we have Nico Robin in custody already. When Kaido and Big Mom are involved in a fight, death could easily come for anyone, which makes it the perfect cover to eliminate inconveniences. And then we cut to the sea near Wano. And the sky is dark and cloudy. And a bunch of ships are there and people are going, um, there's a huge shadow. What is that? Is that an island? And someone goes, no, that's impossible. That fruit is only a legend now, even to us. It has not awakened for centuries upon centuries. And someone else goes, why would the world government bother to give that one specific devil fruit another name? It's to erase that fruit's name from the annals of history, isn't it? And um, it's the island of Zoe, a.k.a. the giant ass elephant. And it's stomping through world government ships, apparently on its way to Wano. This is both very cool and a little bit exhausting because I'm like, <laughs> are we about to get a Zoe flashback now to explain why Zoe has been walking whatever crime Zoe committed all those years ago? Uh, I, I hope we get a little bit of explanation. Like, I know part of me is like, I just want to finish this arc. But there's also a big part of me that's like, I really just want to find out what the deal is for all this stuff. Please, please. <laughs> I need it to end. <laughs> I need it to end. Because uh, I will be very sad if they're like, we'll come back to that in just a couple weeks because I will forget about it. <laughs> oh, boy. I did see some people like, you know, like One Piece Twitter kind of freaking out over this because it's like, oh, my God, Zoe is a person who ate a devil fruit, <laughs> which I mean, it could mean anything. It could be that, like, you know, um, oh, God, what's the scientist character? Vegapunk. Yeah, like they use their, you know, making items eat devil fruits thing to make an island eat a devil fruit or something like that. It could be something like that, except we, I think, know that Zoe has been walking for like a thousand years or something. Like oh, that. well, never mind then. So. I, I feel like that's the thing, that Zoe has been walking for a very, very long time. Uh, Zoe probably itself dates back to the Void Century and things of that nature. Uh, but that also presumes some people are saying that it's talking about Zoe when referring to that devil fruit. Because we also had Who's Who talk about how the gum gum fruit was maybe kind of special. And I don't mm -hmm. even know. I, I'm trying to think. I don't even know if we 100% know. Like, I think we know what Kaido's fruit is, but we don't know all the details surrounding it. So it's like, I don't know. Some A lot of people are speculating about a ton of shit right now. Yeah. And it's one of those things of like, I don't know. We'll find out eventually, guys, I guess. <laughs> I hope. My favorite thing about it was someone posted a, a joke tweet that said, but guys, look, the evidence is right there. And it was just a picture of Zoe next to a picture of Kuina with like different parts of their body circled as if it, as if they somehow looked similar. 
<laughs> like that's what happened to Kuina guy. She's not dead. <laughs> yeah, she's still she's still kicking. Yeah, uh, it's it's a good chapter. I do like the fight quite a lot, actually. Um, but it is one of those things of like, God, I hope we actually get this followed up on instead of like another dangling plot thread for me to keep track of in this arc with like seven currently ongoing storylines. <laughs> Big old tease that is Oda. All right, that's it for this week. What were our favorites? So, favorite series and MVP. Hmm. Favorite's an interesting one. There were a couple chapters I really liked this week. Um, I'm trying to go back through all of them in my head right now. And I guess it's going to have to be Dororo on Dororo. No. Uh, I'm going to give it to... I guess it's got to be on Dead on Luck, right? Like, it was the one chapter this week that made you go like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um... I guess I'll let go of that sentiment. I do also want to say that, like, Elusive Samurai, like we said, was good. Mm. Black Clover was, you know, like, it was just kind of straightforward in terms of, like, hey, there's a fight, and it was a pretty cool-looking fight. One Piece also had a pretty cool-looking fight mm. going on. Um, and I did enjoy actually reading PPPPPP. So. There you go. Um, for MVP, man, there's so many I kind of want to give it to. Because a part of my mind, I'm like, Kaido was cool. Um, I want to give it to, like, uh, Mamin from PvP. I thought she was, like, had a really good introduction. Lucifero, really, really good. But Bond was such a good-ass dog, man. He's such, she's like, look at him with his fucking wet face. And he's just like, Rawr. <laughs> Like, his, his bark's all weird when he gets wet. He's like, He's so fucking cute. And he saved the little dog. I fucking love him. Look at that little, little loser. I love him. Bond. Bond MVP. Maybe forever. I'm going to give mine to Kikoru. Because I dug her being the emotional core of this chapter and it was kind of the thing that needed to happen so <laughs> all right there we go that's it that's the two of them oh well, by, right the audience sorry uh, uh, yeah, I, right, that yeah. sounds like it was a bit i actually did just forget i had to give the audience one undead unluck and bond by the way was theirs uh undead unluck for chapter of the week and Fair bond enough. for character all right i prevented the sweep okay so. yeah, there you go nick just because you just because you like your so much yeah, no one else associated with the podcast likes Kikoru in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Yeah, yeah that's so, the ticket. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that is going to do it for the show, guys. Uh, we want to thank you all for joining us. You can tune in to Weekly Manga Recap here on twitch.tv slash C. We start streaming and recording the show right around 7.30 Eastern time. Uh, although sometimes we need to change things up. Stay tuned. Keep track of that by following us on social media at WMR Podcast, at ReloT, at Nick F Time, our, our accounts on Twitter. You can also check out our recorded episodes on weekly recap.podbean.com, on iTunes, on Spotify, generally wherever podcasts can be listened to. You can listen to them there. You can also check out the video versions on youtube.com slash weekly recap. And if you do that, you'll get a look at a couple of different things from some wonderful people who help us make the show what it is. Milo Jack Stillitz and Winston Dale Trader created an opening sequence for us that's really nice. There are, of course, the occasional thumbnails that are done by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can check out wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the Internet, including his own Twitter account, Steve Mann Art. Uh, and also he has his own Patreon. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. Mm-hmm. If you go and subscribe to that, you get some fun bonus stuff, bonus episodes that we record, the monthly other recap that Chris does uh, that 
I guess now no longer features PPPPPP. <laughs> if, if I can get an episode out for this month, it'll still feature PPP in it. Because I got to talk about those there chapters, were chapters before. Yeah, there, there were chapters before, yes. There were, so. there were several chapters still in December. Uh, but all the other stuff that uh, isn't uh, covered in it, you can listen to there. And you, maybe you can use that to uh, help catch up on Blue Box for when we eventually add that to the recap. Yes. And if you missed all of this, you're like, why is PPP mm-hmm. in there? Were they talking about Blue Box? And make sure you check out last week's episode where I cashed in the money in the, uh, the veto and the bank contract and added a series into the recap. It's very important that you watch it to the end. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, also be sure to pay close attention so that you can fully understand the very, very uh, thorough and scientific grading scale that we use for each series. <laughs> I forgot there was an X Factor rating. <laughs> uh, we also want to thank. NinjaX3i, who helps us maintain the Google Doc that keeps track of all sorts of helpful stuff associated with the show, including that audience MVP and favorite series that was mentioned to you before. Uh, There were also year-end voting things, and you can use that to recommend different series for us to uh, read and then review. And if you need help finding that Google Doc, you can find that through the Discord uh, chat that we have set up. A lot of different uh, chat rooms in there where people discuss various different hobbies, but also just the stuff that we cover for this show. Like there was a discussion on Liar Game before we talked about it. There were there are discussions on each chapter that come out each week. And uh, there's also just other stuff like bi-weekly game nights and stuff. But speaking of recommendations, uh, so we're going to be taking it a little bit easy now that uh, we have gotten through the very, very long read that is Liar Game. And uh, instead, we're just going to read just something that kind of stood out to me because it had a few different people recommending that we read it. It seems like it'll be a pretty light series because it's, quote unquote, 60 chapters that are five volumes. So it seems like the chapters are be a little bit short. Uh, And I've been told that it is similar to Komi-san, Nagataro and Tomo-chan. It's called Hitomi-chan is shy with strangers. So we'll see okay, okay. if uh, it holds up to being compared to those three. So. All right. I'm excited for it, Nick. We're ready. This year's kicking off in a new, a new attitude. We're going to get everything done this year. We're going to, we're going to read more weird, weird series. We're going to, I'm going to press uh credo to find a new awful Yaoi <laughs> series for us to read. We're going to get them all in there. Yeah. We, now that we've done one, we've got to do more. So. <laughs> what month did we even do that? Can we make a theme month out of Carino Prime recommends a shitty Yowie that we for some reason really <laughs> admired for a while? Oh, no, I, I like good Yowie. Really? Yeah. Tell us. I don't want, Tell us. Tell I don't, us. I don't want those. I want your fucking garbage. I want that shit you read when you were 22 and aggressively horny for anything you could find. And now you work back at it with regret. I want that series. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody.